What's up, everybody? <laughs> Dang, dude, that's really loud. <laughs> What's up, everybody? What's up, my beautiful honeys? Welcome back to No Dirty Podcast. This is Shooting the Shit Episode 2, STS 2. We've got a pretty special guest back in store for you again today. Um, and along with some nice topics that are pretty relevant to the current film climate. Um, so... I want to introduce again, you know him from the Hate Blood episode, uh, Rex Trogdon. What's up, Rex? Good evening. Um, I know the music's really loud right now, but... I like it, though. Thank is this going to play for the entire hour? Unfortunately not. No. Yeah, your fans will be disappointed. It would, just, it would get pretty old, I feel like. <laughs> but uh, this is actually, uh, if you can't tell, it's the original Blade Runner soundtrack. Okay. I thought it was just like an homage or something down. like that. Oh, really? Oh, well, all right. I took like one... You engineered that, too? I took like one second... Like a one second, like slices from the song. Nice. Like you hear how it's repeating. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, and then I just added a drum beat behind it. I didn't. Well, I didn't catch on to that. I'm a very big fan of Blade Runner. Yeah. Hopefully, so. I don't get sued for copyright because I just admitted to using the soundtrack. But that's why. I'm willing to roll the dice on this one. Yeah. For the fans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. For the, for the honeys, specifically. For the beautiful honeys, man. Yeah. That's what we do here. We do it all for the fans. Um, but. Welcome back to the show, man. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for, for having me back. No, yeah, thanks for being here. This is, um, I've told you before, but just to reiterate, like, people tell me that this episode of the show, or your episode of the show, is, like, one of the best ones. Thanks, man. Because uh, anyone that knows you knows that you're really good at talking and articulating. And so I think that sense of, like, hmm. confidence in your words, mm-hmm. I think that's what led to it being a successful episode of the show. Thanks, man. So Well, I mean... When when I when I blow up and make millions of dollars, I'll be sure to throw some your way. Okay, so it's what I'm trying to say. Okay, no, honestly, <laughs> I I like almost a dollar. To be honest, I want favors, not dollars. I want to be, but on whatever show you're hosting, I want to I want a spot again. So okay, well, when I have something cool it. going on, then you can help me plug it. No dollars necessary. Okay, just have a good craft I'll table. I'll remember that. Okay, when you're right. when you're asking me for uh, commissions, just remember <laughs> that you. I asked for favors. No, oh, no, I mean that. I want favors, not okay, money. Man. I'm just saying, keep it in mind. Right. Okay. It might come back to bite you <laughs> in the future. So no, I run my own hustle, but I, I do appreciate that. Thank you, dude. We were uh, we were talking before we started recording. We were talking about Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. And we were actually like, because I, I feel like I knew you were a Dragon Ball fan, but mm. have we ever talked about it before? Probably not. No, I don't think so. Hmm. I mean, you were talking about how you've never seen Super before. Yes. And I just. <laughs> I, I like recommend it in a bad way. <laughs> I want I want you to see how bad it is. Okay, I did see a clip the other day that made me ge- be, like cringe in an angry way. Of what was super. It? it is um Goku is teleporting trying to go see Vegeta and he ends up teleporting accidentally into Vegeta's bedroom. Oh, and yeah. Uh, and yeah. He just insults Bulma's boobs. Yeah. He literally she's getting out of the shower and she's in the towel a towel and they're like and they they're like what are you doing in our bedroom? He's like, "Sorry, it was an accident. I would never want to look at her boobies. They're <laughs> they're so saggy." He almost says precisely that. And I was like, "This?" Yeah, that's been like the meme of the show lately. Like that's actually from the show. That's in there. Yeah, I I looked it up to be like, I think that these are the voice actors. I don't think this is dubbed for as a meme. Yeah, no, it's real. It, that's honestly like it takes the campiness that I thought could get no worse. From Dragon Ball, 
it makes it even worse. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to do some weird callback to the original show, like original Dragon Ball, when yep. Goku saw Bulma in her underwear. Yes. But it's just lame now. Yes. Like, they can't... It's It doesn't work. <laughs> it, yeah, when, when your humor is only self-referential, like, you are dead in the water, in my opinion. When it for comes sure. To, yeah. I So you have me interested. So, I mean, how, how committed should I be to exploring super like two so episodes. i gave up like really early on <laughs> so not that committed <laughs> um i've heard and this is just speculation i've heard that the show has gotten a lot better since it first was on the air yeah how many seasons deep are they now i have no idea mm-hmm. um all i know is that i can't stand any of the new character designs i think mm-hmm. they're all terrible um the fact that the supreme lord of like the universe is some little pill Mm-hmm. I almost said pill head. I don't want to call him a pill head, but um, he looks like a he. Lit- his head looks like a pill. Mm-hmm. Like actually, he's like, okay. He's okay, like, I thought I thought I was about to ask like there is like substance abuse no, in this no. show. I, I that, thought that's where you were going, but you mean his head is yeah, the shape like of a pill? He, his head looks like okay. like a medicine, and he's like two feet tall, and he mm-hmm. apparently has all this power. And if he's used it, I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. But uh, so did you see the Battle of Gods movie or whatever? With, no, with the cats with Beerus. I read about that episode because I, um, hmm, I don't know why. Why would I be reading about Dragon Ball Z 15 years after I stopped watching it? But I did read like because Beerus and what's his the other guy who's more powerful than Beerus? Oh, uh, what's his name? White hair. Weiss. Weiss and Beerus. I was reading this article basically talking about like in the whole lore of the show. I end up I love reading up on lore on a, even a show that I haven't studied it myself. Just saying how they're even more powerful than Goku ever is previously to that. But they're, they both have him bested. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just the problem with the show. That's what I was telling you earlier, is that it's, it's all about, like, power level now. Yeah. Like, it's who care. It's like they don't even care about the characters. Yeah. It's just all about uh, who can be, like, the actual measurable strongest person in the universe. And that would be, I wouldn't say it would be fine, but it would be at least passable if they had like cool fights or like cool animation or mm-hmm, something to back mm-hmm. that up but the problem at least with what i've seen is that the animation's horrible mm-hmm. the fights are uninspired goku literally gives up in battle of the gods like he he decides to stop fighting yeah i read and that and that's just yeah. like not like how can you be how can you write anything about goku and have him give up on anything i i i think all stories have a point of exhaustion where they you need to wrap them up. You know, Dragon Ball Z obviously that the lore of it, well obviously the creators do probably don't care to continue going. It's just like a cash grab. But I I that doesn't surprise me a bit that like it is they've exhausted any remaining conflict that can like keep the story going. You know what it reminds me of is um what movie I was dragged to by um some people I love, but I won't name. It was my dad. I was dragged to the new Independence Day movie. Was that a year and a half ago? Or Resurgence? Yeah. And I read a really an interesting article from someone who's been... Was it A.O. Scott in the New York Times? So I don't want to take... No I don't want to take this person's point, but this is not my observation, but this was his, about how he thought at the time, the first Independence Day was really like staggering because you get into this action movie and few big budget, f- sort of in quotations, family driven action movies had allowed that level of like, like hundreds of millions of people to die. Not like you don't see them all die, but like you see 
every major city in the world get leveled. Like that, he said that he thought that that was kind of the beginning of where we are now. Of like we see this, it's, it's almost like an arms race. Of you have the Transformer movies, like more destruction happens on Earth, and finally mm-hmm. you get to Independence Day resurgence, and literally the new alien craft that lands is the size of a continent. About how like <laughs> event, eventually. The, the bad guy's power, if that's, if that's your storytelling, is build more conflict with making the bad guys more powerful, eventually it becomes so big, it just it's just silly. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and that's all the show is. Yeah, that's all Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> I would say, has been since, uh, was it the end of season three? Was that the end of the Frieza saga? I think so. Uh, I would disagree with you on that. You, you thought it was better after that, too? I would say um, once... So I, I was telling you earlier, Super Saiyan two should have been the end of like the transformations. Yeah. yeah. I really uh one of the things I really liked about the original show was um when they were trying to go Super Saiyan two, mm-hmm. uh there was like that whole form where you were like insanely strong but your muscles were so big that you were just so slow. Yeah. And like <laughs> forgot about that. You could you could uh you could like really hurt someone with a punch, but the problem is they could evade it so well that it wouldn't even matter. Mm-hmm. And um, I really liked the like both Goku and Vegeta trying to mm. um, ascend to that form in a way that um, doesn't cause that sluggishness, mm-hmm. and also like Vegeta never succeeds, mm-hmm. and yeah. Goku and his son do, mm-hmm. and that's like one of the core like values of Vegeta's character is that he can't get to Goku and mm-hmm. Gohan's level. Mm-hmm. And that's why he keeps working as hard as he does. And if you're just going to have, in the beginning of Dragon Ball Super, they can immediately just go Super... What is, what is it even called? Super Saiyan Blue? Yeah. He They can both just Su- do Super it Super Saiyan Scene is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> they can both just do it now. Mm-hmm. And they're on the same... I don't, I don't even know if they're on the same level, but at least it seems like that to me. Because I, I don't know like the show that well. But yeah. just immediately plateauing both of them it's just they don't know what made the original show show so good yeah yeah and uh like you can tell me all day you can tell me all day like oh man but the arcs of the story are great and it's a whole new take it's a whole new take on the series out you can't <laughs> then why didn't you just make a new show yeah like based off of dragon ball yeah exactly totally or like have a. Uh... I don't know, or even do like a prequel where everybody isn't so overpowered. Yeah. I mean, yeah, go in a different direction. I, I love, that's really funny. It's a whole new take on this. As if the first take was fucking Shakespeare in the first place, which yeah. it wasn't. No. Like the first, it isn't amazing storytelling. Cause I mean, I'm really, not going to deny that like a large reason that I love Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z is because I watched it as a kid. If I were oh, to, yeah. If I were too. to watch it now, like without knowing what it was, uh-huh. I'd be like, yeah, this is cool, but like. It could definitely improve a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I honestly, it to me, I would say Dragon Ball Z and Yu Gi Oh are the things I watch, um, because there's that weird pleasure about cringing about yourself when you were twelve, like you know, looking back and laughing about how awful of a human being you were. Yeah. Like that, to to me, I associate my Yu Gi Oh days, and I think holding the cards in my hands the way Yu Gi Oh held them as I played the game. I want this. It's funny I say that, and later I'll like talk about the eighth grade and wonder why I didn't have friends. But I was so like I laugh about. I I literally enjoy Dragon Ball Z almost because of like. I don't know. 
it's some weird form of Schadenfreude. It's like yeah. I enjoy how how it just reminds me of being like a snot nose pre preteen and teenager. Oh yeah, that's like for me. It's a, it's like anti nostalgia maybe. For me, that's Naruto. Oh yes, okay. <laughs> I watched so much Naruto as a kid, <laughs> and I had all the games. And did you? I had a fucking headband. Did you ever run with your arms straight behind you? Yes, but not like seriously. Like okay, I knew, okay. I knew, I knew I was joking. Okay, good, good. Um, I did. Jo- I will. I will admit, probably about eleven or twelve years old, to jokingly scream as loud as I could, trying to search Super Saiyan with my friends. <laughs> Dude, one just time. making ma- making his mom mad because it was the middle of the night <laughs> and we're in the basement trying to turn Super Saiyan. One time I was at. Uh, were, were you done with your story? I'm sorry. That, that was it. Yeah. Okay, good. That's um, not a good story. It sounded like you might have <laughs> had something to say, but one time there was this huge. W- I was at a, I was at a friend's house where I was at like youth group at church or something. I was where I was where a bunch of my friends were. I forget exactly where it was, but there was this windstorm outside, <laughs> and me in my infinite wisdom, I just go outside, and in this windstorm, it's literally like huge gusts of wind. I'm just outside, just going. <laughs> And uh, eventually I like, I just kept doing it for like 30 seconds and eventually my voice cracked. So I'm like, ah! <laughs> and all my, everyone, everyone there was just losing their minds. It was like one of the funniest things that has ever like, I didn't plan on doing like, it was so funny. I would love that story from whatever youth pastor was at, at Jap running that night. And then this kid I'd never seen before, full freaked out. <laughs> yelling at God straight into the wind, and I did nothing. But that's, yeah, that's fantastic. It oh was amazing, gosh. man. I I like remember amazing. it all the time. So thanks, <laughs> thanks for like bringing that up, so I can just talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I I I have thought before though. I would, I'd be interested to see how I feel about the very first episodes of Dragon Ball, not Dragon Ball Z, but Dragon Ball, because the lore of that, like I, I was telling you earlier, it's it's such a weird take on spirituality, mysticism, magic, and sci-fi, and the world build. I love interesting world building. I think that's a th- one of my, I-, I will, I am all about writing good stories and reading good stories, but when it's speculative fiction like sci-fi or fantasy, when it has interesting world building, often I'll be like, yeah, I don't think this is a good story, but what they're doing and how how unique this world is, I can't take my eyes off of it. And I, I've looked back and thinking, I think Dragon Ball, it started out with a very unique, maybe I don't know enough anime, maybe it's it's really a ripoff of other things, but it's in my memory, what anime I have watched, it's it started out in a pretty interesting, I mean, the whole idea of the Dragon Balls and like it's like a quest. You know, it's the kind of thing that like, it's a mix of all those different genres and elements that probably could only come out of Japan. Um so I've, you know, I have that passing thought of maybe I should find the original episodes of Dragon Ball again. Well, I mean, like you're talking about all this inspiration, and uh, it's Dragon Ball is what caused people to like anime. Yes, like whether or not the because as For far as I know, as far as yes. I know, no, it's a fair, it's a very original show. Uh-huh. But even if it did take concepts from other shows, you would be foolish to even try and say that there was anything before Dragon Ball. I guess Dragon Ball Z is the one that really put anime yeah. on the map. But um in those good old days around 2000, 2003 oh yeah. when it was on Toonami every afternoon every I would school watch, day. There was only two shows that I would like set like my internal clock for. <laughs> and that was Dragon Ball Z and Justice League. Oh yeah. Justice um, League was awesome. Which we can talk about Justice League if you want soon cuz I I'm going to have to remind myself cuz I well, I'm old, 
plenty older than you. So I, I remember watching some Justice League, but not every single day like I did Dragon Ball Z. Because Justice League yeah. was an original show that didn't hit um, Cartoon Network for a while. See, back in the day, the original lineup of Toonami, I think it was something like, it was Gundam Wing, which is actually a pretty good anime, then Sailor Moon, No Hate. Gundam is awesome. Gundam's great. And then Reboot, that terribly computer animated, have you, have, you know the, the computer animated show from Cartoon Network called Reboot? No, I don't. It is a real fun concept, but it's like computer animation made for television in 2000. It's it's horrendous looking now, but I had a cool concept. And then Dragon Ball Z was like the main course at 4 yeah. o'clock every afternoon. Well, I guess, I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but Naruto was the third one. I, I stayed up and watched Naruto. Oh, Naruto. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Was that, what, did, did that play on Cartoon Network? Yeah, it was, tun- it was Toonami. Okay. Oh, yeah. see, the original Toonami was only in the afternoons, and then they bro- they stopped that programming and brought it back just for late night. Mm-hmm. But that my early memories were well. There was like four or five seasons of Toonami, mm-hmm. um, and then like I think after season two is when they started playing it like a lot later. Really? Is that yeah. it? okay? Because uh, but my heyday was when it was right in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I never, I never saw it when it was afternoon time Mm -hmm. and i definitely started watching it during season three so maybe it was earlier than that but i i like i have as you know you know my whole family i have three younger siblings who are to varying degrees as weird or weirder than i am especially in their taste in movies and and i say weird i mean to people who don't like anime and things like that so i remember being in now i I like to say that i can take some credit for that because i like to imagine myself as a middle schooler and my like two-year-old sister was sitting there watching dragon ball z with me so to my youngest sister if if i've brought any pain in your life by introducing these ridiculous shows to you from your infancy it it might be a little bit my fault if any of your your, do your younger siblings like my younger brothers they would watch that stuff with me all the time and now like they couldn't they couldn't tell you anything mm. about it at all. Yeah. Like, they don't care about anything that I used to watch when I was a younger yeah. guy. Yeah. Is your family the same way? Like, No, no. They, Yeah, we're oh, on different subjects. We still can talk about those shows, enjoy them for nostalgia, and I mean, enjoy, my, enjoy anime. And my brother Caleb loves Justice League. But other than that, like, Seth, like, I, I guess I was too old to be watching that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was I was forbidden to watch it by the time Seth was born. What? No, I'm just kidding. But um, I wasn't watching, or at least not regularly, because Seth's six years younger than I am. Okay. And uh, I wasn't watching those shows regularly when he was a kid. And mm. he he probably doesn't even he's probably never seen a single episode of anime in his really? life. Yeah. Um. But Caleb, uh, Caleb's two years younger than I am, and we would watch Justice League all the time, and he still loves Justice League. But I don't know why. He hasn't picked up on, and Caleb, if you're listening, I'm sorry to be talking about you, but I don't know why he hasn't picked up on, uh, like, Naruto or... Mm. Actually, wait. Now I'm thinking about it. He did like Naruto when we were kids, but... Are you ask, you're asking a question, though. How do you end up being, like, uh, someone like Rex, who's a 30-year-old man who still talks about Harry Potter on a regular basis? I don't know how some people let go of that stuff, and then people like me continue to be on a podcast well, that, talking about Dragon Ball Z. That wasn't exactly my question. <laughs> it, was, it was more like, because uh, we're both the oldest. Yeah. You're, are you the oldest? Oldest boy. I have an older sister. Okay. So we're both the oldest men <laughs> in our family. And, the um, oldest breathy men. <laughs> men. But um, I was just curious if uh, like the things that you did like were passed down to your younger brothers. Honestly, probably it did not stick as 
intensely with them as it did with me. Okay. But also, they're experts in certain weird television programs and musical genres that I never touched on. Like Beans? Oh, yeah. I have one brother who is is a Bean expert, which (laughs) I I hate to say it. I miss the Beans generation. I'm too old for that. Yeah. um, It's, you're not missing Another brother likes folk guitar. So I have a folk guitar brother and a Beans brother. Dude, Um, this is crazy because we're talking all this stuff about family. Which is what Dragon Ball Z was about. Yeah. Well, at least it could be compared to family. Yeah. And uh, when a gross old man is basically your new dad. And your little brother's bald. <laughs> and then this green guy who my wants little brother to kill is, you. When your little brother's Caillou yeah. with six dots on his head. And then there's this green alien who wants to kill you, but then he wants to train your son. Then he, you go to his world and blow it up. Yeah, like just like family, actually. Yeah, that's it's exactly how it happens. <laughs> I remember when I went mm-hmm. to my my son's karate master's home and oh, yeah. blew it up. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yeah. You remember when that uh, probably irresponsible old man was put in charge of our 10-year-old boys? That was, oh, was really good. Yeah, I liked that a lot, times. too. Great times. Yeah, great parenting in make-believe. Uh, I, I, li- I like the world Dragon Ball Z. It's like this is Japan, but... With spaceships and dinosaurs. I like that point of Dragon Ball Z the most. That there are dinosaurs, and no one really bats an eye. Like yeah, there's, they literally just they fly one at, at one yeah. point in the show. They're just like, yeah, there's dinosaurs. This is, this is make-believe Japan. We got dinosaurs and spaceships and magic and God. Like, they just say every, every, everything is yeah, in. Everything gods. ever is, is in the show. Yeah. And their gods are dragons. Mm-hmm. What, have, did you ever watch Dragon Ball GT? No. No, I was working at Starbucks by then and had no soul. So no, I'm, I'm, I missed. I I'm I've just that's why I was telling. Well, like I was saying to you, Oliver, I uh I have a side gig where I teach uh, courses to teenagers, and this kid pegged me perfectly recently, and he just looked at me and said, "Hey, dude, have you ever heard of Dragon Ball Z?" And it was hilarious what they talk about with Dragon Ball Z, seventeen year olds versus me. Like they talk about GT and they talk about Super. They haven't seen the original episodes. That's how long. It's kind of yeah. like Pokemon. That's it's been going on. Wait, s- they've seen GT. Yeah, maybe not all of them. The kid I was talking to has seen GT. What? That confuses. That baffles me because GT is regarded generally by the public as the worst season or worst version. Yeah, who's of the, show. the who's the main villain in GT? Well, actually, so I was going to ask you about that or talk to you about that. So GT is uh, not good. Like, it's not a good show. I've heard, yeah. But I respect it a lot because they tried to do a lot of really cool concepts inside of the show. Mm-hmm. So what they, the first thing that they tried to do, and this one utterly failed, was they tried to go back to Goku being a kid, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if you knew about that. But basically, I've seen episodes the overarching that. villain yeah. of the show, uh, I can't remember his name. It's like... I can't. It's it's a very short name, but it's the little blue horned guy. Um, he basically gathers all the Dragon Balls at the beginning of the show, and uh, yeah, Goku is what fighting. What's his name? I forget I his name, but Goku is fighting with Oob. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Oob, right? Yeah. So this is directly after the end of Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. So Goku's fighting with Oob, and the uh the little horned guy gets all of the Dragon Balls, and um they find out about it and go to stop him. And because this, because this, this guy's a villain from the original Dragon Ball, yeah, and he, and he yeah. go and he Goku gets there and he and uh, summons Shenron. Goku doesn't summon Shenron; the other guy does. And when Goku gets there, he goes, he gets really frustrated and goes, "Oh, I wish you were smaller so I could kick your ass again." 
Mm. And uh, then Shenron's just like, <laughs> Your wish is granted. And then Goku like turns back into a kid and regrows his tail. And um, that's the first thing they tried to do, which could have been all right, but mm-hmm. it didn't work at all because who wanted Goku to be a kid again? Um, like, I don't know. It's just weird. And then the next thing they try to do, which actually is kind of cool, is all of the uh, Shenrons become mm-hmm. the villains um, because the power of the Dragon Ball corrupts them, I think is how it happens. Okay, you see, you know, I, I know about these storylines, and I think this is what those teenagers were talking about. Because th- those episodes are, what, early 2010s when those came out, maybe? I th- it's like 2007. I, I okay, but they're, they're more recent than the Dragon Ball Z like, episodes. Dragon Ball GT is one of those things where I've seen a lot of, like, the fights and stuff, but I've never, yeah. I never sat down and watched the show. I've, I've, I've read articles catching up on like the major points and the characters, um, which is baffling to try to keep up with. I mean, how many freaking seasons of lore is there? I mean, a lot, twenty ish, something like that. But it, it, yeah, it's, um, it's funny. I've dropped off. Same thing with Pokemon. Like I've dropped off many, many years ago, and you have like four year olds coming up to me and asking me like, do you know who? Uh, Tuxedo Man is? I'm like, that's a Pokemon now? Like, are you kidding me? They just announced uh, Gen 8 three days ago. Gosh. The new starters look like garbage. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I mean, there have been okay starters since the originals, but not wonderful starters, in my opinion. I know some, I know enough of them, and I stopped after the first couple Gens, but... Dude, I mean, Cyndaquil, man. Cyndaquil's great. My favorite Pokemon. Really? Yep. I still go old school Dragonite. 100%. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Dragonite's cool. We better not go talk about Pokemon because we won't talk about anything else on our list. Cause I, I don't think we... I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, then also, I don't know as much about newer Pokemon than you do. I will be lost. I'll be I'll, I'll be able to be like, I, I, I trained a Mr. Mime that got pretty cool one. That's all. I, I, don't, I, I, I stopped a long time ago. with, But I just compare, like, it's, it's in, those are pieces of... It's funny how niche and specific you would think anime is and yet it's funny the staying power of it it's these shows have had since the 90s oh yeah naruto as well like the, how how long they've come around and how many new versions that arguably the american audience has been part of the catalyst of keeping them going i mean with pokemon that's obvious because oh, yeah. international but things like dragon ball z it's not just a japanese audience it's the american huge american audience as well um but it's weird like i know this show is so big and everyone knows what it is but you talk to like 90% of people, they will have not watched a single episode of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. At least that I've talked to. A- um, anime kids live on a different plane of existence. It's amazing. Yeah. People, when I say anime kids to other people my age, they don't know what I'm referring to. I'm like, what? It's like, am I seeing ghosts? What is? How is that possible? It, it mm. is funny. It's big. But it has a, I think it has a very deep but narrow uh, fandom, if that makes sense. I suppose that's true, yeah. I've always... I mean, like, if you tell a good story, I'm going to watch no matter what it is. Like, oh, yeah. And, uh, like, anime has some of the best, like, emotional, heartfelt stories out of some of, probably out of, it's like, it's very consistent in terms of how it's presented, and you feel emotion in a different way in an anime than you would in anything else. And, I mean, I don't know. It's valuable, if you ask me. Uh, I, I agree. I, I just... Because there's so many people out there, like you say the word anime, and they're like, "Oh, gross! I don't want to watch that yeah, stuff." And it's, it's like, it's like, dude, just 
give it a chance and you might like it. Like it's such a close-minded attitude. It, you know, people. I was. I. Well, we'll get to this later. I loved the film Roma last year. It was very popular, but honestly, I had a very positive emotional reaction to watching mm-hmm. the movie. And I so I I from people I respect got the reaction of. It's in Spanish. I have to. I don't want to read the whole time. Yeah, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I promise you. It's first of all, it is written in English and the subtitles. You can and like, you can figure it out as you go along. I pro like it, it's there's there's yeah there's so many experiences in entertainment that are so interesting and fulfilling and people but they're just outside of what is considered mainstream. It's like one thing that is wrong, and they're like, oh, I don't want, I don't even yeah, want to try. It's like with this one kid who wore Dragon Ball Z sweatshirts in my class was weird, and now I'm going to allow a silly bias to stop me from exploring that or understanding those fans better. Yeah, it, it's it's disappointing. Um, the good news is is that intense, like I said, intense fans can keep something going for decades and uh, you know can have enough voice and enough dollars behind merchandise and stuff to keep really good stories that are even really peculiar and sometimes not well written like Dragon Ball. Yeah, they, I like I like that it's still going even though I hear it's not very good. I I'm I'm like good for you guys. That's awesome. Dragon Ball was better, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I disagree. I don't like that it's still going at all, but <laughs> I mean to each his own. I I don't know. It's like Nish was dead. Yeah. I mean, if I if I was writing it, I would say guys, we need to take this sweet puppy and like release him to like, you know, Tell the kids that he hey, went to uh, live on a farm. M- Mr. Toriyama, I've, I just need to let you know that uh, Goku is living on a farm now. <laughs> he doesn't He doesn't live with us anymore. Oh, but sweetie, he's so much happier there. So much happier. He's, he's all so, so many so many other failed shows to run around that he farm He definitely with. didn't get hit by a car this morning. No. He's I, out I def- living on a farm. I definitely didn't hold a pillow over his face. He's no. He <laughs> is, held a pillow he, over your dog's face. He's, he is so happy. I didn't pull a Frank Underwood and choke him on the street. I promise. He's okay, buddy. <laughs> it, need, it needs to happen, but for the sake of the fans, like it is nice to see that something weird and niche because people demand it can actually happen. Because so many things get canceled. So I, I don't know. To me, I, I see your point, but I just am always like, oh. Well, I, all right. So that's another thing. Like, I'm all for things coming back for mm-hmm. to serve the fans. Mm, like that's yeah. not the problem here. The problem is when you do that with solely the intention of profit. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, uh, and that's what they've done, from what I understand. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Well, at least we can ascertain that that <laughs> seems to be their only motivation by yeah. the poor quality. Yeah, I mean, it's like you wouldn't go up to Jackson Pollock and be like, "I'm going to." replicate your style because I saw how successful you were with it. Mm-hmm. Artists, like, you look at fine art like paintings and you don't just, like, rip off someone mm-hmm. else. Well, I guess you could, but, like, that doesn't happen. Like, you don't just, you don't just re, you don't just revive all of these mm-hmm. artists and artist styles in order to make a buck. And I, you, and if you take that concept of art and apply it to because like Akira Toriyama's original concept of Dragon Ball, that's art. Mm-hmm. It's telling a story, which is what art is. Yes, and you can't just take art and just rip it off. I mean, I'm not when I say you can't, like I'd say you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't just take art and rip it off just because it's profitable. Because a, it's not going to be as good because you don't have the original artist's intention mm-hmm. and you don't have the original artist's vision and you can't see inside their mind to see how to make their vision work and how to make their vision um, be relevant and relatable to the consumer, the viewer. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and B, like, it's just not a cool thing to do. Like, this culture is so infatuated with money and just being at the top, and, like, if you're going to get to the top without doing it yourself, what's the fucking point? Yeah. And, you know, and in the same vein, sometimes they take that very line of thinking and say that is their defense of, hey, we weren't trying to make art. We were just making something fun. We're just making entertainment. And I always have to call bullshit on that of that's a really weak defense for a thoughtful criticism <laughs> against your poor work. Like if you yeah. if you that's the thing is once you have made I'm this is my opinion once you've made a piece of art you are now passive and the viewer the reader the listener they're now kind of they're in control of how it's interpreted from that point on you you know you can you too can say as much as they want oh no this is our intention of forcing this into your iTunes and we meant this for good I'm not even going to get into what I think about that subject but it's more about how was it received. You know, how how was the like I think like once it's out there in the world. So with the, the thing you're talking about of like it just doing it for profit when they actually stand beside that as an argument for the poor quality of what they're doing. I I look at it and just say like I no, you cannot stop. It's out here. I I, I agree. It, it is it is poor art. I think it's still art and I I, agree. I, I definitely definitely am not like out of range of what I'm allowed to talk about by pointing, which is this is exactly this is hilarious. We're talking about this. This is exactly what I want to talk about later with a certain movie that we're going to discuss. Is keep you, it under wraps. Don't want. I, I won't spoil the surprise. But which it might even be in the title of the podcast. But okay. Whatever. Well, don't read the title, ladies and gentlemen. I yeah. That it's like I can't stop you from making a buck and making some horrible storytelling via whatever method, whatever media. I can't stop you. You cannot stop me from pointing out how poorly it was done. Yeah. And cr- and criticize if it is done with not the best ethics in mind. I mean, I totally agree. Um, I would say if you're doing an original work and just having fun making something, I think that has value. Sure. But if Much more if, than just copying something. But and, if you're just yeah. like... Because, I mean, when I draw, I like freehand, like, not trace, but like look at something and copy it down. Mm, yeah. And... I th- I have fun doing that too, but I'm not gonna go up to someone and try and sell it as my work. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I I uh, <laughs> that's going back to Naruto. I would always just like look at the covers for the mangas and just draw them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in my sketch pad, and I, if I'm being really honest, I thought I did a really good job. Like it it looked pretty accurate, but. I'm all, I'm not gonna like scan that in and then upload it to a website saying like here's my rendition of this manga cover. Yes. Buy it for ten dollars. I mean that's like the equivalent of if you ask me what they're doing with this new Dragon Ball show. Hmm. Yeah. So we've gone full circle here. Yes, we have. We talked about what at at the very beginning, uh, thirty five minutes ago. We've been talking about Dragon Ball for thirty five minutes. Wow. Uh, I think I'm going to make this my definition of personal success. Nice. I talked for Dragon Ball Z for 30 minutes. It's awesome. We can move on to the next topic after this concluding statement. Okay. But we've gone full circle of I talked about why it's terrible in the beginning <laughs> back to why it's a ripoff. So thanks for so indulging me on you're my welcome. Dragon Ball our, super hate. Our our review of Dragon Ball is um, bad. We, it's a not it, good. It's out a not. Of 10. Oh, a, a not good out of yes. Gonna get. Some I was gonna say five out of seven personally, but a not good I think is probably more accurate. You ever watch Anthony Fantano? Sure do. So you know about the not good I, out of ten. Uh, oh yes, that's what I was referencing there. Ripping off, ripping off Anthony Fantano. Yeah. How did I not pick pick up on that one? That was good. I, I like know. him. 
I was trying to do like a. It didn't really work that well, I guess, because you didn't pick up on it. But yeah. I was trying to do. We were just talking about ripping off art, so I ripped off Anthony Fantano. Gosh, which I I do that. Can shit you go ahead and explain all your jokes to me because I'm one glass of wine deep right now. So who who knows how <laughs> one who, glass? Who knows <laughs> Saturday night over here? How who knows how little of your jokes I will get at this point? Lee anyway, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna lay here. What's next? Okay, so uh we have uh so this week is the next season of Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel comes out on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I am pumped as hell. Good. Uh I absolutely love the MCU. Mm. And um I think it's one of the like people are in like fifty hundred years are gonna look back on this as like one of the defining moments of pop culture. I mean, it's hard to argue that because I mean, this is when it all started happening. But like, hmm. yeah, this whole universe that they've made, whether you like it or not, it's yeah. like has so many fans and it's making so much money, and it's the first time ever you've gotten to see multiple heroes on screen with each other yeah. in live action. Oh, I, I, I think, yeah, you're t- entirely right that we are like we're easily past the point where what the MCU and other competing uh, studios have, uh, what Marvel and competing studios have done, it's now comparable to like we look back in Hollywood history of like the golden age of Hollywood musicals in the 30s, and then like the you know 20 year period of excellent westerns leading all the way into the 60s. You know, these ep- er- these eras where we have a genre that is so dominant and so well-liked, like, it, it is as big as those. I mean, it's, it's hard to think since that the Western and it's, and it's, like, strongest heyday, you know, all the way up to, like, True Grit 1969 with John Wayne. Like, trying to think of a genre that has been as big until uh, superheroes at large. And to be honest, most of it is the MCU. They, they, oh they, yeah, they definitely. are, they, they are to superheroes, what MGM was to musicals back in the thirties. Mm-hmm. There was like one studio doing all the biggest musicals yep. and everybody else yep. in town was chump change. Like, yeah, you're right. This is it, it just, I mean, I don't think anyone can argue from at least a business standpoint that they, they are hugely history making. And i and a lot of other, I mean, obviously we know, what they're doing with storytelling is going to affect Hollywood for decades. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you just see all the people trying to copy this format. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mostly other superhero uh, labels now, but, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> they try, like, Universal tried to do it with, like, the monster verse. What, I yeah. forget what it was yeah. called. Like, the, <laughs> they had, like, the mummy, and then, uh, what was, like, the other one that they made? And then the, it was so bad that they just stopped making them. Uh, Wait, was the MonsterVerse connected with Godzilla? And- no, no, no. That's no, no, that's no. that's uh, that's Warner Brothers. Yeah, who was was in the? Yeah, I remember reading. There was about like that. two Universal movies that got made that were supposed to be in the same universe, and then they were so bad that they just canceled the project. Gosh, but, I, I, um, I love the Godzilla and um, King Kong connection that Warner Brothers is trying yeah, to yeah. do. Is like you, I, mean, I, I, th- I read about these and I kind of just discount them immediately. I'm like, yeah, I'm not excited until you prove to me you can put together some interesting stories. I mean, so far, only well, the MCU has really done that in recent thi- years. All right. Here's what companies don't get. Excuse me. Is the MCU isn't that isn't amazing because it's this big universe. That's just yeah. the icing mm-hmm. on the cake. The MCU is great because it established all these movies with relatable characters mm-hmm. that have... St- storylines mm-hmm. 
that are now working together, and it makes sense. Just because there's a universe doesn't make everything awesome. Yeah. Which is what the DC universe did not get. Yes. It's what the Universal universe did not get. Mm -hmm. It's what pretty much anything else, unless it's like an isolated like trilogy or something or a sequel, mm -hmm. pretty much anything else didn't get. Like if if you if you're trying to set up this universe, you have to do it in a way like you can't be as big as Marvel with one or two movies. Yes, Marvel's been going for ten years, and all these studios think that they can like say, "Oh, all these movies are going to be connected, so you better go see them." That's not going to work because people aren't going to want to see them. Yeah, like why do we want to? Why did we? Why did people show up and bust through every single record? in 2012 to see the Avengers because they had laid the found at that point we had had five, technically five Marvel movies two well, Iron Man's Thor Captain America and you can kind of count the Hulk with Edward Norton the Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton is MCU it is MCU yeah okay I didn't know if they had the rights to that one so well, they but, do Edward Norton just dropped out because uh, I think he didn't get paid enough or something but but so, so, so like to your point you can't get to the success uh, I don't think even Marvel couldn't have gotten to the success they had with Avengers and the depth that they've penetrated pop culture without those five preceding movies. And you know those five preceding movies, most of them I don't think are excellent. They're either no, well, they're all they're all. I mean, and the average I would give score, I'd give all of them together is pretty good. But the point is, is they carefully did, like as you're pointing out, build an interesting array of characters. They did it in a classical way with the hero's journey. Um, multiple times they did also make Iron Man, which is yeah, in my opinion, that's what I was about to bring up. One of the one of the when I talk about really great movies happening these days, there's few superhero movies I, I like to talk about, and Iron Man is one of them. So they did they started out mm -hmm. on the right note for one yeah. thing. Well, that was after the well, whole. That's the thing. Like I would wager the entire success of the MCU being built upon Iron Man being good. Well, yes. If Iron Man flopped, we wouldn't have this right now. Mm. Oh, totally. I'd put money down on saying that. Because Captain America wasn't that what what came Iron Man came out first, but um, Captain America wasn't that great. The Thor followed. Thor wasn't that great. Yeah. Hulk wasn't that great. And then Iron Man two. Iron Man two. I like Iron Man two, but I yeah. know it's objectively not that good. Um, it also did not receive the fan love that the first yeah. one did. And then was there another one that came out before Avengers? I don't think so. I, if I remember correctly, no. There's those five films and then the first Avengers. Yeah. And so, also, to, to, to be completely honest, I, I I think you're right that the moment of Iron Man working so well is, to me, only eclipsed by the fact that the first Avengers film is structurally one of the most complete action movies ever made in its storytelling. Mm -hmm. I, it is... It is just why am I blanking on his name? He did Buffy. Who who is the director of Avengers? John yeah. Favreau, or Russo Brothers? No, uh, the original Avengers film. The guy who did uh, Firefly. Joss Whedon. Oh yeah, Joss Whedon. How, did I I believe, how did I not know I, that? I, I cannot believe I because <laughs> John Favreau did Iron Man. Yes, you're right, and he did two um, as well. The, like I think Joss Whedon's screenplay and his team. And what he was able to bring to the first one. That's the thing. I, the stunt of being able to connect all these characters in one story is not simple storytelling. It's not classic storytelling. And somehow he made it work on a big scale. So, I like, yeah, that's the thing is these other studios, I, it's almost like lightning doesn't strike the same place twice. It just doesn't. So it's like, well, you, you really think you're going to be able to replicate that? You got to do a different thing. And they keep trying to be the MCU. I agree with you. Like, you're not going to do it in a short amount of time. Yeah. I would argue they probably could never do it at all. It's only going to happen once. But, dude, like, 
we talked about Justice League before. Yeah. If if they would have taken their time, analyzed what made the characters good, mm-hmm. and then built up to the Justice League, mm-hmm. that would have been great. Yeah. Because the Justice League is one of, I would argue, is way more interesting than the Avengers in in like classic, um, original form. I Not th- even the show, like just the characters uh, working together. And I, I think on honestly, before Iron Man. If you had asked the general public about the five most famous Avengers versus the five most famous members of the Justice League, they would immediately know who Justice League yeah, was. Yeah, there, there's even a, 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 a deep, uh, sorry, a broader um, base of individuals who would who would recognize the I characters mean, and understand their basic flaws. I mean, shit, man! And, Before Iron Man came out, n- everyone. It's not like people didn't even know who Iron Man was. They disliked Iron Man. Yeah, <laughs> like anyone, yeah, you're yeah, right. He wasn't like, even popular with some Marvel like, fans. Pe- people that knew about Marvel, they were like Iron Man, just that guy that flies around in a robot suit and gets drunk all the time. I don't care about him. Yeah. It's because they revitalized the character in a way mm-hmm. that works. Yeah. And they added the compassionate side of Tony Stark, which I have not read a lot of Iron Man comics. I don't think it's there that often. Mm-hmm. They made Tony Stark a human, mm-hmm. albeit an asshole human, in the movie, and that's what made the movie good. And that was the yes. foundation of that's why the MCU works. It's because you can look at the characters and be like, I know what they're about, mm-hmm. and I know what their goals are. That's the reason I really like Captain America Civil War. It's because it highlights those in every single character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 and, you know, of all these films we're talking about, most of them I walk away with frustrations and I pick at them but you know honestly I know I, I if I when I step back a year later I tend to pick at a movie about its details of its storytelling when it hits all the major points pretty well yeah you know what I mean like I walked out of we were just talking about Independence Day Resurgence I had basically nothing to say because it it, it was like it wasn't like it barely got enough. It was like a twenty percent out of a hundred to me. Like it, it just it was so. Whereas like I feel like MCU at this point is to me. I feel like they're the smart kid who occasionally doesn't try hard and gets a C plus on a test. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? You should you you could you could do any. You know, it's almost like I can see the potential there. And when they hit it right, it's so amazing. I feel like they're the smart kid who doesn't try and sometimes messes up. So I end up picking at them for much smaller things. So I I tend to maybe give when I'm talking to friends negative reviews of some Marvel movies. I think I'm overly negative at the start because the bones and the basic structure of the story are so excellently there in the first place that I I'm like oh you were so cl-. this is again another movie that's so close to being like another great av- original Avengers Iron Man. I keep looking though going like I wanted you almost you are almost a hundred percent again. You know what I mean? And then I end up maybe expressing more negativity about the MCU then maybe I appropriately should to express how my I'm impressed. I'm always impressed with what they do. I'm not even a huge comic book fan, but just as it is nice to, you know, have a genre of movies that I know well yeah. enough that whenever the new one comes out, it's popcorn entertainment that is done the right way. Yeah. And is and that really fun. That's interesting you bring that up because I was just wanting to talk about that is I can, I can envision someone saying or listening to this podcast and then saying they were just talking so much shit about people making things that are fun just mm-hmm. to be fun. And now they're praising the MCU. Here's what I have to say about that. The MCU is fucking fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the point of it, is and, like to yeah. be fun. And I mean, in, in, for a comparison, that's like telling, like, you know, I would say 
even the episodes of Dragon Ball Z I remember, I'm like, that is not C plus B territory of storytelling. Yeah. And like I said, like I like comparing it to a student. Like, I mean, the kid who will not turn in their work and you like try to encourage them in a different way. You maybe don't go so hard on them. Um, like, but that, that's the thing about um, Marvel is when I criticize when I get, I think it gets stuff wrong. But the difference is, unlike things like Dragon Ball Z, it gets a lot right. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, in the past, I've I've had friends, my brother even was like, I th- wait, I thought you hated Thor um, Ragnarok. I was like, what? He's like, all you just say was that one negative thing about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did. No, I liked it. I just, I, I was like wanting it to be another, like, and honestly, all things considered, I like Ragnarok a lot. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I walk out of them at this point with my expectations so high because they have reached those expectations yeah. a few times. But all things considered, the more I look back, I can watch Ragnarok. I can watch Winter Soldier. All these movies that I criticized at the time a little bit. I'm not a professional critic, so no one's actually listening to me. But I look back on them. I'm like, yeah, I was just being harder on them because I I know this studio. Like, I'm like, oh, come on. Would you do that with that character? You guys guys have a similar character in the Avengers film that was so much better. But, yeah, Yeah. if someone made that point, I'd be like, hmm. I'm yeah. picking at it because I want it to be excellent. I mean, the fun is the fun aspect is just the icing on the cake. Similar yeah, to totally. How the, similar how the universe is the icing on the cake. I mean, the story. The reason the, story the reason they are the important. reason they are fun is because of the, you can relate and identify with the characters mm-hmm. and get enjoyment out of seeing them succeed, mm-hmm. which is something I cannot give the DC universe at all. Yeah. Because you know what the DC universe is trying to do? They're trying to rip off the two most popular pieces of superhero pop culture in the last 20 years, which is the MCU and the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And you can't rip that shit off because yep. those two things were made worth so much care and commitment and writing and passion and whatever else you want to throw into that freaking blender and blend up a freaking good movie. Um... You can't just you, you can't you can't steal the recipe and just expect to make the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like when a master has made that recipe. Exactly. It is funny because that you look at these things. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go for it. But you look at these things, like all right, MCU. We were, we've been talking about this whole time. Characters that you can identify with, you can see what their goals are. Mm-hmm. They're doing what they think is right. Mm-hmm. What is what does that have in common with the Dark Knight? It's the exact same thing. Yep. You can look at every character in the Dark Knight and be like, they have goals. Mm-hmm. They want to reach these goals, and they're fighting for what they believe in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even, even the villain, the Joker. Yeah, mm-hmm. he believes in chaos. And I, I think and the, the big picture, something I would add to what you're talking about, that they're trying to copy off to the most successful thing. You're you're saying that those two um, universes were you know excellently done and they focused on the basics of story and i agree that dc has not focused on the correct things and it's been exactly. on, on top of it it's almost like there's another lesson that they completely miss what is another thing that makes the dark knight and the mcu so successful they were incredibly original it's like that's the whole point i think of they don't just do it well they do something new and well new isn't always better than what is traditional yeah. but they both did something new in a superhero genre well you could and make so the, and then dc decides oh you were so successful with originality and a new concept we're going to rip you off it's like did you not see why well, yeah, they were successful that's, that's the thing is i i'm not going to sit here and tell you the dc universe isn't original because they definitely are but they're original in ways that don't work and they don't make sense yeah. like you 
you can throw Batman and Superman on the screen, and you can look at them and say, oh, yeah, that's visually Batman and Superman. But then their actions don't back up anything about the characters at all. Like, I will say Henry Calville, he looks like a yep. really good Superman. Yeah. Like, he, like, I can look at him and be like, that is Superman. But then, I know this is cliche to say, he snaps Zod's neck and then lets a bunch of people die. Yeah. And then doesn't care about standing up for, like, hope and honor. That's not what Superman would do. Yeah. And they tried to rip off the style of what made the Dark Knight so successful and make... They tried to make a... I'm trying not to swear so much. (laughs) They tried to make a Superman (laughs) movie dark and gritty. Yeah. Why in God's name would you take Superman, the original, Uh like... I don't know if he's... He's not the original superhero, but, like, the original, like... Well, all it, powerful in our American mythology, he is our Hercules. Yeah, like you take him. Yeah, and all literally all Superman is is just be powerful and do it for the right reason. Yeah, and you you can't give that movie a dark tone. Yeah, that's just so contradicting. The fact that if they literally if they would have just filmed that movie differently and made it brighter and done more cinematography that like. Like, the movie opens up with a cloudy day. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't it open up with the sunshine, which is Superman's fucking power? <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Like, yeah, maybe that's why he does such a bad job through that movie, is there's never direct sunlight on yeah, him. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Poor kid. I, I never I, thought of that. I don't get it, man. Um, I like how I just started ranting. I, this is like me at parties, dude. <laughs> like, I'll be just like a few beers deep at a party, like, and a girl will come up to me. And I'll just be, and instead of being like, "Hey, you're really cool. You want to go out sometime?" I'll be like, "Have you listened to? Have you watched the '89 Batman with <laughs> with Michael Keaton, directed by Tim Burton? Yeah. Do you know why the Man of Steel movie is terrible? Yeah. Like that's all I want to talk. I, I mean, just, I just we, keep ranting. We all profess love in, our, in a different way, right? I, I I I actually, my girlfriend had to stop me from telling her about facts about uh, octopus recently. She's like, "I I okay, this is weird. You got to stop." So I mean. We all have our it thing. happens to all of us. Okay, man. so but back to Marvel. I'm really happy that you were excited about Captain Marvel. I'm really excited. I, he, here's the thing: I have. This is not a scientific observation whatsoever. I know, but this is this is just me speaking from my gut, and I hope I'm wrong. In my experience, I'm not naming names. Everyone in my life that I know who is a male who likes the MCU, none of them are excited about Captain Marvel. So immediately I'm like, I smell some, I'm not interested in this movie about a chick. You know what I mean? So yeah. I hope I am wrong. And especially now, this I, I, I'm just airing, this is a thought I've had out, and maybe this is dumb, but I keep being like, I really want this movie to succeed. I really don't want Wonder Woman to be a flash in the pan. Yeah. And also, from what I know by the character of Captain Marvel, I, like, I hope they do it really, really well. I've been excited about this for a while because it's going to be such an interesting interlude between the two pieces of the Infinity War and then into yes. Endgame. I, I'm excited, and I hope fans don't... I have I just have this bad feeling that some fans are not going to show up quite as much because it's a not-as-recognized female character as the lead. I hope that does not happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. What I'm really excited for... So, I'm going to shit on DC some more. Really? I think Wonder Woman's a horrible movie. Dude, okay. I thought it was decent. I I think Wonder Woman is uh it's it's not horrible. It's competent and it tells a story <laughs> and I mean the thing is like 
everyone praises that movie for being like this empowering movie for women. And I know I'm going to say something here that's going to be taken out of context. I think I don't I don't disagree with that there's some sort of gap between men and women in our society. Sure. And it definitely needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And I am totally for what people think this movie represents. I just think it represents it in a totally wrong way. Okay. So that that's my disclaimer mm-hmm. for what I'm for in case I accidentally say something that could be taken out of context. But for me, it's not inspiring to women because the whole movie is her trying to figure out how to work in a man's world and a man showing her how to do it. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, yeah. she basically, instead of like maturing throughout the movie and learning that um, she has the power to take down Ares, she just goes crazy and just like fights him. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand how people can look at that and think it's empowering. Like, sure, it's a movie with a woman lead, which... I mean, similar to Black Panther, like mm-hmm. people really need that. Like yeah. those two, yeah. uh, those two areas of our society need those roles. Yeah, I think think some and, some pieces of culture, like like Wonder Woman, yeah. To me, they are not. Let me give you an example of a movie. I will argue till I'm blue in the face is a wonderful example of gender equality and feminism in popular movies. That is several steps forward. Would be Mad Max Fury Road. It's yeah. not to me. Wonder Woman's like two steps forward, one step back. It's like, yeah, the fact that it made that much money and was that much of a milestone, and a woman was in the lead. That's 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 some that speaks of progress. But I agree that there, you're totally right. There are are a lot of tropes in the film, like the hopeless female who needs a male who's more exactly. intelligent. Yeah, I agree with you that there's a lot of things people and missed about tell it. Tell me that, why these women that live on an island uninhabited by men decide to wear skirts as armor. Tell me, just... Tell, I want you to answer me. Um, Give me an answer. Uh, I'm sorry. Exa- I, exactly. I, I, no, wait. I, I, I'm, I can only imagine Robin Wright's legs right now, and I can't... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't, I don't have any feelings as I'm imagining it. Hmm. Well, wait, no, this is love. Never mind. I'm in love with that, her again. That's see, kinda, see, why did you do that to me? That's, that's kind of the point. I think man. I just proved my proved like, the point of why they're in skirts. I'm glad Zack Snyder didn't direct Wonder Woman because <laughs> he would have had them in like bikinis the whole time. Yeah, but well, I mean, okay, but the, something like that makes sense because they're dressed as female warriors from antiquity, which who would okay. wear skirts. Okay, if you put it like that, I guess it makes sense. But yeah, so they're, they're dressed appropriately from what the legends come from. They women men didn't wear pants back then. Men okay. wore robes, you know. So I, I do agree that, like, I even read some articles, and I am not an expert on this, but some people criticize Wonder Woman for the costuming not being purposefully being a little lingerie-esque. Other people disagreed with that. I don't know enough about costuming to say one way or another. I'm like, it looks kind of like they were doing a play on historical stuff. I, I don't know enough about what was historically accurate for a warrior, even female warriors from those cultures in the Mediterranean to use. Yeah. But it definitely, I mean, come on. I mean, in in a way, playing the main character for sex appeal, we got to admit it does. I mean, how does Thor take off his shirt twice in every film he's in? Like it, it it does happen to men. Well, I mean, that's like a common uh, counter argument between like the women having like sexy costumes is like the male superheroes basically just wear body paint. Like, yeah, and I, I see that, but of course, obviously, the context is highly different between the two. But back to my point about um, Captain Marvel, what I say is like to me, 
I don't want all the guys to show up to Captain Marvel just because they show up to all the Marvel movies. What I want is real fans to show up and give their real opinion on a film. And if this film, by any chance, was just leaning, like, I don't think it looks this way at all. But what if it was a film that literally its entire point was, we're important because there's a female lead. I hope fans look at it and say, no, films with female leads deserve better stories than this. You see what I mean? Like, I, I hope the big fans of Marvel stay excited, show up, and honestly judge for themselves whether it's a good movie. To me, that's equality. Yeah. That's what I yeah, want Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, you'd watch the movie, not even consider it being, like, yes. a movie with a female as the lead. And just whether or not it's a good movie or a bad movie, that's how you judge it. I'm just reading shitty comments on, like, I was reading some shitty comments on one trailer on YouTube. I was talking about the fact that it had a female lead. And I was like, oh, shit. I hope this doesn't, like, ruin, you know, chances for a Black Widow movie and stuff. Which then that's a, you know, that is a prejudgment, obviously. Yeah, I mean... But so I'm excited about it, and I ho- I hope it's awesome. It looks yeah, awesome. We've been ranting for a while, and I didn't never even made my original point. Sorry, go ahead. we started talking about Wonder Woman. But um, so we talked about how Wonder Woman was solely built up on the fact that it was just a female lead. Um, just totally lost my train of thought. Hold on. So I'm excited right. for Captain. Wait, legs. Yes. Was that? Oh, that wasn't your point. Yeah. That was, no, that was that was it. Okay. <laughs> no, on. but um, so the reason I'm excited for Captain Marvel is because um. Like, they built up Wonder Woman as this, like, sort of mega, like, powerful hero, which mm-hmm. Wonder Woman is powerful in original um, um, comics, but mm-hmm. she's not, like, insane. Like, she doesn't, she's not the most powerful being in the universe. Captain Marvel is literally Superman mm. in yeah. Marvel Universe, yeah. which is why I think it might work, hmm. because, like, she that's how she was written originally. It's, she is basically just, like, she can fly, she has super strength, she has laser vision. She has all that stuff. I think it might be better, and maybe that was the goal the whole time, because they've written these movies, like, years ago. Yes, yeah. And um, maybe that was the goal, is to have that and be socially relevant, but either way, I think it will work better than Wonder Woman did. Hmm. Because, I mean, we're talking about ripoffs. Wonder Woman's just a ripoff of Captain America, down, down to the sword and shield. Yeah, Sword and Shield is brand new for that movie. Yep, that did not exist before yep. that movie came out, and um, I think I mean you're basically putting your money on on the the favorite horse in this race of saying I'm more confident in uh, the first major release from a studio that has a female lead with Marvel yeah, no, than that, I am DC. That's what I'm trying to yeah. say. And I think, I, I think your your faith is well cause, placed because I think they're just making the character. It's not. I mean, it might. It probably is. It might very well be based on the fact she's a woman. Mm-hmm. But I think they're just making a movie about the character that happens to be a woman, mm-hmm. rather than using it as a way to get more tickets sold yeah. because there's a female in the movie. Mm-hmm. Which then and then becomes so disappointing that's like, okay, you, yeah, when that does happen in a film, you realize they're like, okay, yeah, you got people excited about the movie, but in a weird way, you have stopped. Uh, actresses from getting the best material as leads. You've you've stopped really great storytelling having a female lead. It's funny. It's like when the, when they push too far. Like the point of the story is a female lead. I think it ironically doesn't allow a female lead character to have the most compelling, excellent story uh, to take part in and lead. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I honestly, I think I'm just too easy on Wonder Woman because it is so freaking competent compared to the rest of that. Uh, universe <laughs> dc yeah, yeah it's just like the best scoring kid and a whole class of kids who don't care um but that's um a, but i and also of course that i can't even be i can't even begin to get excited enough about endgame oh man dude all right we need to like briefly touch on these because we really need to move on but yeah i know um so 
I I know you didn't, but I loved Infinity War, mm-hmm. and I thought um, the way they handled it was great. I think it was a really nice shakeup for the Marvel formula. Mm-hmm. Actually, having heroes quote unquote die in the movie I thought was amazing mm-hmm. choice. I agree. Um, and I just it's like one of those things where like I haven't felt this anxious to see what happens next since like probably since I watched like True Detective hmm. for the first time. Yeah. Which wasn't that long ago, but like still. Um I'm trying to think of another show that I was like really invested in when I was like younger, which I'll have to come back to you on that one. Hmm. But um I'm just really excited cuz I mean, yeah. Spider-Man is my favorite thing like ever. Uh-huh. Like favorite character, favorite costume, favorite I don't know. It's it's my favorite thing of all time. And to see Spider-Man in these movies and then to be cause that to be invested in all these other characters as yes. well. Um cuz I didn't care. I didn't give a single shit about Captain America before the MCU came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then after I started watching his movies and seeing how good they were directed and how good they were, I started researching more and learning more about him. Same with Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I don't. I still don't really care about Thor that much. But <laughs> that. Sorry. T- side note. Uh, my friend Brian. He always says, "Uh, man, why do people care about like Thor stories?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "It's just Thor from mythology." <laughs> <laughs> Like what's what's there like to be what's there to be attached to there? But anyway, that I just thought that was funny. But um, getting invested in all these characters and then seeing most of them die, mm-hmm. and also like the very large chance that the Phase One Avengers will be either dead or retired at the end of Endgame. Yeah. Um. Is I, I to me, I feel certain that either Tony Stark or. Wow, I just for, oh uh, Rogers, Steve Rogers. I one of them will not be alive at the end of this film. No, I totally agree. Um, my I, my money's on Steve Rogers. I think I he think gets retired. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think Tony Stark's going to die in real life, but he's going to have some sort of consciousness available after his death, like Jarvis or Friday. Oh, um, and then I think Steve Rogers is going to become. He's I think he's either going to retire or become uh like uh crippled in a way where he can't fight anymore. Hail Hydra. I um, I agree, and then the I, other I don't know I can't speak for any of the other yeah, phase one Avengers. It, that's maybe what I mean more specifically is Chris Evans is going to retire because there are so many iterations. I don't know much about the Captain America comics, but there are other iterations of different characters who became Captain America. Um, that um, I th- I think more than one of them were um Black Americans actually. Which so it's like it, it opens up different diversity and the different backstory. You can take the character and give a whole new origin story mm-hmm. and reboot kind of organically within the universe. So to me, I I agree. He, he's either going to die or retire for some way. Yeah. To be honest, like I keep thinking they're going to kill Iron Man, but he is the biggest star of like of movie. I mean, but he. Even Robert Downey Jr., he's like, I'm really tired of playing. Iron I know Man. he is, but they keep throwing so much money at him. He keeps saying yes. I mean. Uh, so to me, I I keep thinking it's going to happen. He's definitely going to take much wrong. less of a role because I I would prefer Iron Man die. Want to know why? Because I'm so the next thing I'm really excited for is the first movie after Endgame being the new Spider Man mm. and having Mysterio. Yeah. I, I'm so excited to see a live action Mysterio. Like I think about it all the time, but um, I really one of the things I absolutely hated about Homecoming, which is like one of the very few things I hated about it was that Tony Stark designed and programmed his suit. Mm. And yeah. having direct contact with Tony Stark the whole time, I think 
sort of really bogged down what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man for me. Yeah. And not having him in the next one, I think, will really serve the character well. Mm. You know, I had never considered that, and that is such a great point. I even know that about the origin of Spider-Man. You're right. He kind of wasn't allowed to, like, you know, poke his head out from the ground as a new superhero in isolation from other superheroes. Like, he didn't have that original start. I think the the other two uh, franchises that were done by Fox? Sony. By Sony, I think... it help you feel this like teenager who has no idea what's going on with him and still kind of figures out the superhero path on his own that's a really great point i never considered that yeah i mean so now yeah this new spider-man will be um i'm I'm very intrigued the setting's interesting to have i mean yeah a lot of people were really mad about that because like traditionally spider-man is new york like yeah exactly if all the characters he's one of the most like centered in New York mm-hmm. also because he's like a New York kid yeah he's not rich he's not Tony Stark he can't fly around the world and save the day he can just save New York sometimes yeah, so it's an interesting choice I'm, I'm intrigued by but yeah I'm gonna get back to we've never talked about our central disagreements about uh, Infinity War I um, hate to do this again we gotta move on we really need to move on we've been taught we've we're already an hour and 10 minutes in and we haven't even started talking yeah. about our we hell yes I mean I'm not a, I'm not opposed to having <laughs> this go for like really long I know what you mean but yeah it's okay um, we will just We'll we'll talk off air about specifically. I again, you, this is my one thing I'll say. Infinity War. It, again, it's like the really smart kid who I didn't think did all their homework and should have gotten a better score. It's a great movie. Okay. I liked yeah. it. I just have some criticisms of it uh, that were bothering me, but honestly, it's so much better than most. Moving on. Yeah, let's move on. So, um, we mentioned earlier that we have a specific movie that we're going to be talking about, and we kept it hidden, even though you probably already saw it in the title. I might not title it anything. We'll see. We'll see if you know it from the title or not. It's just mm-hmm. a big mystery for all the viewers, yeah. all the listeners. But um, so we wanted to talk about uh the Oscars this year. Um, is it is it the 2018 Oscars or 2019 Oscars? Because I, I guess like the ceremony was in 2019, but every time I Google 2018 Oscars, like the shape of water comes up. Yeah, the, the, for some reason they call it the year the Oscars are announced. So it's the 2019 Oscars for the films of 2018. That's so weird to me. Yeah, it's strange at that. But anyway, um. We're gonna. We want to have a discussion about the Oscars, specifically. Drum roll. Green Book. <gasps> who? Which won best film of the year? Somehow. Yeah. Um. And I didn't tell you what I thought about the movie when I came yes, over. Yes, I really want to know. Um. I will tell you that. Uh. I know you really hate it, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's that good. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't hate it though. And um. I don't know. Let's 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 mm. get in, let's get into it, shall we? Let's. I I, I, I want to um, have a brief talk about the Oscars, like generally definitely. before we dive into. Yeah, the I think. Book. You know, I'll say this year. I was a, gr- a friend of mine who used to work for Warner Brothers. She and I. I love asking her opinions on films. She thinks so much about the commercial aspect of, the, of films. Um, I love asking her. Her opinions will be slightly different because she thinks about the industry. We both agreed. I felt like most, if you look at the Best Picture nominees this year, only three of them, in my opinion, were really worth your time. The other five films. Only two of them were original stories. Yeah, it's really strange, isn't it? Everything else is historical. Yeah. But it's not like that can be okay. Last year, I had like five of the nominees. I was like, man, I like five of these movies. This year, one of them I liked okay and two were great, but the other... There are eight and all. So the other five movies were literally just stinkers to me. What are, which ones are you talking about? I thought Black Klansman is relevant it didn't I like wow black hands, black, black it didn't wow me but it, it totally the screenplay is so good it deserved winning best adapted screenplay the two films that i think 
like really I couldn't get either of them out of my head after I saw them. The one that's not that talked about is the favorite. It got a lot of nominations, but it wasn't really a yeah, front runner. It didn't win anything. It won. Oh, Olivia Coleman won Best Actress. Yes, it won Best Actress by surprise, which I'm really happy about. Um, that movie to me is just it. Wow, I know it's an isolating, strange movie. It's not easily accessible to major audiences. I think its goals as a story are so effectively completed in that story. Oh, I love dark comedy done well, for instance, yep. and good costume dramas done well. It, it it really considers it. It was brilliant, but the film I liked even better, and I sound like every other fanboy of films. I really enjoyed Roma so much. I Roma haven't was, seen it yet. Watch it. I it, it, not everybody loves it as much as I did. I immediately was like, this is one of my favorite movies. This is it was my favorite movie experience of last year yeah. by far. It's so it's, it's weird. Like I'm same boat as you. Like. I only cared about like a couple movies that were nominated yeah. this year, whereas last year I there was a huge amount. Of well, your like your animated film did pretty well. We'll talk about that. Okay, we'll talk <laughs> about that. Um, but I have I haven't even I don't even think I saw like half the movies that were nominated this year. Mm. Like I saw Black Klansman, I saw The Favorite, I saw um, Green Book, I saw what else was nominated. You saw The Favorite. You saw Vice. I did not see Vice. I did not see Bohemian Rhapsody. I did not see A Star Is Born. I did not see. What else? There I think, one I think more. we've named them all at this point. You ain't no, there's one more. I named seven. Black Klansman. Black Panther. We didn't say Black Panther. Oh, okay. So I saw Black Klansman. I saw Black Panther. I saw. Shit. <laughs> you saw Black Klansman, Black Panther, The Favorite, and um, I forget. I've seen half of them. I haven't seen half of them. And uh, I just wasn't motivated mm. to see any of the ones that I didn't see. I guess Roma, I do need to see that one. But um, it, it's not popcorn entertainment either. It's like concentrate for two yeah. hours and fifteen minutes. But I, I think if you're in the, like, I was in the right mindset when I saw it. I, it is a great piece of art. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It's um, something I need to, yeah, I need to get in on it like soon. Um, if maybe, you're like me, maybe, though, maybe I'll spend some time tomorrow and end up watching it. If you're like uh, me, though, it's probably on that list of art house films that's forever long. You know, you should watch eventually. Um, but yeah, if you ever get around to it, it's worthwhile. Yeah, I plan on it. But my reactions, a lot of the awards, I was okay with. Most of them wins. I was not okay with how many times Bohemian Rhapsody won stuff. Um, well, I, I thought, so it, I haven't seen that movie, and I might be totally, totally uneducated in saying it. But I, I've seen clips of the movie. It all looks terrible. It, it to me honestly is a very entertaining film, but the fact that it it like won um, sound editing awards over movies like First Man that yeah. were brilliantly edited for sound. The thing the, I, to the me problem like, I have it, with that is like, dude, Bohemian Rhapsody, it's just already recorded songs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know, honestly, people just love Queen. They love the story. I think the people were so excited about how much money it made and what it's about. It was not about the artistry of awarding the the movie. And again, Rami Malek won. And to me, th- all I've seen three of the other people he was in competition with her best actor, and all three of them are miles better, in my opinion, in their performances. Yeah, yeah. So, other than that, we're not talking about best picture yet. Other than that, I was very happy with the rest of the awards. What were your other reactions? So, I... So I was very happy Olivia Coleman won Best mm, yes. Actress. Um, there was one more I was really happy with. Um, I'll have to get back on that one because I can't remember what it was. I was very, very upset that um, Black Panther won Best Soundtrack over If Bill Street Could Talk. 
Oh, yeah, that was, I forgot that was a big surprise, and which I liked if Beale Street could talk. Oh Never my mind. god, dude, You're I right. loved that movie. The it, fact that it wasn't a Oscar like Best Picture nominee, and was, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody bumped it out of its spot. It 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 pretty much seemed like a lock for Best Picture. Yeah, I it wasn't as good as Moonlight, but I mean, man, like I'm just a sucker for love movies. Well done, mm-hmm. love stories. Well done, and um, I will say. I don't think it should have won Best Picture mm-hmm. because, like, the parts of the movie that were just, like, them talking in the jail cell or yeah. at, the, at the prison was, um, they were good, don't get me wrong, but, like, it wasn't like you felt much from them. At least I didn't. But, dude, I could watch the scenes where they were, like, out in the street dancing and I just, know. like, kissing each other and just Looking loving for each apartments other. And I could watch those scenes for the rest of my life. I would never get tired of them. And they were know, so well done. And then, on the flip side, inside the movie, to me, one of my the most memorable scenes in a movie from last year was when the lead character and his childhood friend are talking about prison experiences at the table. Yeah. And they're trying not to let the lead female character know. Um it's just perfect, tight direction, excellent acting and writing. And I, I literally was sitting watching two men talk at a table, and I felt more dread than I do in lots of horror movies, hearing them talk about prison. Like, they, so like it, it shows darkness and beautiful light so vibrantly. I mean, Barry Jenkins is just a genius when he uses, when he uses color in his movies. Yeah. Like, have you noticed, so well have shot. you like uh, listened to any analysis of how Moonlight uses the color blue? I've, I've, I've read a few things on it. I've, I've no, I honestly keep uh, speaking of lists of art house movies i want to watch it again and dive more deeply because i have well, not are, are you aware of how he uses blue in that movie remind me i so, read something so about like that so basically like whenever uh chiron mm-hmm. is uh feeling um like emotion or feeling like he belongs in a world in the world there will be some sort of element on the screen in the shot that is blue hmm. and if there's anything and if he doesn't feel that way there is like no blue on the screen at all mm-hmm. and then but that's also flipped on its head where he uses blue in like different ways to it's very cuz like the fir- the the scene where he's a teenager and um he uh what's the other what's the other boy's name that he kisses on the beach i don't remember um now. that yeah. scene is supposed to be like the blue ocean is like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. overtaking his senses and like making him in the moment. And um, at the very end, when he confesses to him that he's never let another man touch him, he confesses that as soon as the other character pulls a blue shirt out of the washing machine and puts it on. Really? Oh, that's oh, it's brilliant. I didn't and, know that. Um, he like blue is very prevalent in that movie. And in Beale Street, it's yellow. And I can't figure out what yellow exactly means. Hmm. But there was multiple points in the movie where I noticed I think that someone was wearing yellow or there was something yellow going on. I can on. think of two costume choices immediately that fit that. I now I, I, I want to watch it again for that purpose. Isn't it exciting? Like, that's why I wish um, if Bill Street could talk like was more heavily nominated because I feel like Barry Jenkins... Like, I love put people together like Alfonso Corion, Spike Lee, and Barry Jenkins, all making movies. They are vastly different filmmakers who, in my opinion, all made really cool films last year. Um, I wish he'd been more. I wish he'd been nominated for Best Director. It was, you know, it was the favorite to win Best Score, like by a mile. And yeah, I. Uh, that's another thing is I think the Beale Street sound like I don't listen to movie soundtracks. I've listened to the Beale Street soundtrack regularly since I saw it. Really, and I think it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I first sat down in the theater and. It, and the and the violin showed up with the 
pan mm-hmm. of the tree, mm-hmm. yeah. my first thought was, oh my God, I'm going to love this movie. Yes. And I didn't like it as much as I uh, did Her, which is my favorite movie of all time. Um, I do Which love is her. another love movie that has an amazing soundtrack. But I think... I, I, I think the reason I was so upset is because the reason I liked Beale Street so much is because of those scenes that I was talking about accompanied by that score. Hmm. It, uh, you know Josh Beckelheimer, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to blur his name out. Because, but um, Our friend. Who our friend. Um, he described it as when those reveries really work, the film transcends. And I think that's a really good mm-hmm. word to use to describe mm-hmm. it. It's transcendental. It's it's a beautiful thing. Uh Man, now I, I gotta listen. I gotta listen to that soundtrack more. Um, but of course, wait, wait. What? What about another? Any other categories you were very excited about? So uh, I don't know if you heard. Uh, mm-hmm. For anyone that might have just accidentally skipped to the middle of the podcast and <laughs> missed the Marvel portion, Spider Man is my favorite thing of all time. <laughs> and um, Into the Spider Verse won Best Animated Feature. Hell yeah! And I am very glad. That's I'm I'm happy it won because it was. Uh, if any other movie would have won over Spider-Verse, I would have never watched the Oscars again. To be honest, it's funny. I've seen three out of the five animated films. I haven't even seen Into the Spider-Verse. The other three major films that were contenders to win, all of which I felt were like very disappointing films, I was like, I'm happy this Into the Spider-Verse won just because it, uh, the, it's getting such good, excellent fan following and these other, none of these other films deserve it. Like I think Wes Anderson put out his worst movie last year so far. I did not like Isle oh, Dogs. I didn't like Isle Dogs. No, I I liked it a lot, but I know I understand why people didn't. But um, Spider Verse is probably the best Spider Man story that's been on screen yeah, since Spider Man Two. Wow, yeah, I've heard that a lot of people say the same thing. Um, like Spider Man Two is probably literally, and not even kidding, one percent better than Spider Verse for okay. me. Okay, like maybe even like a half percent. Like mm-hmm. it's barely, barely above Spider Verse, mm-hmm. and that's. Honestly, probably because I just grew up with Spider-Man 2, and I yep. know it so well, but like I saw Spider-Verse four times Wow! in, in <laughs> theaters. And um, I don't want to get too personal on the podcast, but like um, we uh, were talking about having seasonal depression before we started recording. Yeah. That brought me out of a depre- depressive episode. Wow. That movie. Like, um, I'm writing a whole video essay on it right now Yeah. to hopefully go up on a future YouTube channel or something. Excellent. But um, please do that. Like the amount of kids that need the message. If you get hit, you can and will find a way to get back up. And that's like the message of the movie. Yeah. And that's like the message of Spider-Man. The amount of kids that need that and are going to need that. Just the fact that it exists and the the producers and the directors were willing to put that out there. Yeah. Is I can't thank them enough for it. Like, and I mean, this is why I mean, when anyone acts like, wait, why are you so intense about criticizing a film or praising a film? It's because this is a reaction someone can have to a real human story being told with such an interesting modern media medium, rather. Yeah, like I mean, this is what's at stake. When you know, when you have these experiences, then it makes you like, I have very high standards for what I watch. I'm not gonna be a, a dick about movies I don't like necessarily, but. I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up for good stories because they enrich your life. They enrich your life, and exactly. they they double down on the the qualities we want to have as human beings. I mean, I need to. This will be my last statement on it because I could talk about this for a really long time. <laughs> but um, so like literally, the 
first scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I've never wanted to like hurt myself or do anything to myself. Um, yeah. But imagine a kid who is going into that movie just maybe just like on a whim. Yeah. He's had such a hard time. Like imagine he's just been like bullied or yeah, like stressed out about something and he's just thinking about doing something really drastic. And the f- literally in the first scene of that movie, Spider-Man says, um, no matter how hard I get hit, I can get back up and I will get back up because no matter how many hits I take, I still love being Spider-Man. Hmm. That's just an analogy for life. Yeah. Spider-Man can be alluded to life so easily, and I honestly think that movie could save lives. Hmm. I'm not even fucking kidding you. I, I, it's, you know, that's the thing, is storytelling always has that capacity, but when you are Hollywood, you have such a platform to do that, not just in one language, but translated to many across the entire globe. Because yeah. what you're talking about are experiences that young people experience of every culture all over the place. And we just, like, and not just young people, pe- humans need that kind of stuff. So this makes me excited to see it. Because when I can walk out of a movie and literally realize that I just watched a story that connected me to the human experience of billions of other people, it, that, that, like, this, like, this is why I'll pay 12 bucks to sit in the theater. Like, this, this was that mm-hmm. good of an experience. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I said I would that would be my last sentence, and it is my last sentence. So okay, moving on. I would encourage anyone listening to go see that movie, whether or not you're a fan of Spider-Man or not. And I'm very happy it won the Best Animated Feature Film. Mm. Moving on. Uh, I think we should go into uh, the main film of yeah. the night, um, which is uh, the 2018-2019 Oscars Best Film of the Year, mm. uh, which is Green Book, directed by the guy that directed Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> and uh <laughs> which is a better movie <laughs> than Green Book. So uh I've heard you mention so just to get just out of the gate, Rex really does not like this movie. I do not. And I think it was little less than okay. I don't think it was horrible, but I think I didn't think it was very good. Um you've mentioned a t- like maybe a sentence or two of why you think it's terrible, yeah. but um, if you want to just go into why you don't think it was deserved uh, best picture or even a nomination, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the floor is yours. Well, I, I, I will state this, that my criticism of the film, I am specifically talking about the writing. Um, I find there's such an interesting discussion going on about people being like, hey, uh, Octavia Spencer was an executive producer, so don't like shit on a movie are, like funded and made by a black woman Bershaw Lee was an amazing representation of a black artist. Here's the thing. This movie is well-directed, very well-acted, very well-shot, okay? It is a... I disagree with the third one, but... You, you don't think so? I, I honestly, I enjoy... Well, when I say very well-shot, you know what I'm going to say? Let me revise that slightly. It was effectively shot to tell a simple story for a mass audience, which... Okay. So, and it, they, they, that, that was their only goal, and they accomplished that. It's not a very high goal, but they accomplished it. So what they were trying to accomplish with the movie, they did well. So when I say I hated the movie, it is not the way that I hate War Horse, which is like, why am I watching this like 20-hour live-action documentary of a horse dying in barbed wire? Like, why, why am I stuck here? But it, it is, it, it's, it's, and also it's not, not quite hate. I'm not saying I'm mad about this movie on the level that I'm mad about the fact that Brian Singer who um, should be in jail, from what we understand. He's the director of Bohemian Rhapsody. He has... Wait, Brian Singer? Like, 
X-Men Brian Singer? Yeah, X-Men Brian Singer. Wait, he, he directed Bohemian Rhapsody? Yes, he did. He's the pedophile? Yes, he is. Is not I did not know. Oh I loved his old movies. Is that sad? So I did I, not like, know. Like so, so there's issues I get mad about in Hollywood, like Brian Singer issues. That I'm there. He's actually slated to be directing another movie because of the success of Bohemian Rhapsody. Here's the thing. So sometimes I complain about issues like Brian Singer. I want just make it clear. Green Book is not that kind of an issue. It is not that intense. Like to me, yeah. if you decide to go pay it for a movie ticket to see Green Book, I'm not going to say you're doing the wrong thing at all. Sometimes there's mm-hmm. there's moments when I'm like, I'm not going to pay for that movie because I don't want to support that individual who is a monster. To me, I just want, I don't want to make it clear. My hatred of it is like the way I hate the Duke Blue Devils or another basketball team. Like I like I like I don't hate it like the way I hate a child molester. You know what I mean? And honestly, yeah, I, I, I try I, to love everybody, but like you know what I'm like I hate child molestation. You know what I mean? Like like I, I get what you're saying. So yeah, but I do think this is a great example of a film that is very misguided and very frustrating considering the state of the world we're in right now. Um I if I could encapsulate it simply I would say that I I am not a mind reader, but I would say that the film to me in all ways felt like willful ignorance about the intersectional conversation we have about race in this country and the conversation happening about race in Hollywood. In a year with so much black excellence represented at the Oscars, you have a movie that is so tone deaf. And here's the thing. Driving Miss Daisy is the movie they always compare it to. And in 1989, I can more easily forgive a film that tried to talk about race and did a pretty good job but messed up some things. A movie that's just a little bit worse than that today, I had this reaction. This is not a fair one because I can't prove this. I almost felt it was like a fuck you. Like, like oh, you guys like making movies about the black experience? We're going to make one that like almost patronizes that. I can't prove those things, but my I actually walked out angry. Like, I can't believe the way they framed this story. And I can't prove it. So I've calmed down and I'm going, I'm just going to talk about things I can prove and things I can talk about. But I was just surprised how tone deaf this film is. Like, listen, I'm from a very white background, from a very, like, uh, my everyone in my family is my biological relative. We're all white. Like, I am not deeply well-versed in conversations about race. So to me, I am not calling myself an expert. But when I notice some issues and weirdness, I'm like, I think you got to be... Act, it felt in times, and I'll get into reasons why. I was just like, this seems like a movie that is trying not to consider the black experience. It's considering the white experience and waste alone. And I just walked out of it going like, this, I feel, you know that feeling when someone says like mildly racist thing in front of you and you didn't know what to say? And you walk away feeling like a little weird and guilty? I walked at the movie going like, that was a, I feel bad. I feel bad. Um, does that make sense? I totally, I, not totally. I, uh, sort of see what you're saying. Um, I was frustrated with you see all this plight and peril happen to uh, Doc Shirley yeah. throughout the movie. And um, Tony Lip, yeah, like nothing bad happens to him throughout the whole thing and then he gets to go home to his wonderful family at the mm-hmm. end. And then I guess Doc Shirley joins them, which is like, uh, I guess, like trying to his new family or something. Yeah. However you want to say it. Um. I I don't know. I I feel like it was. Like, and as you were saying, like I am also from a heavily white background. I have no place in like establishing any sort of credibility in mm-hmm. the um tragedy of racism, at least against me as a person. Um. 
I felt like it was it told me like um black people or uh other ethnicities cannot get by without the help of a white guy. Mm. I think that message that you gathered, I've, I've people have considered that. I didn't walk away with that, but I think that to me that is a very logical conclusion that one could draw from seeing this film, and that is that is not disturbing to be like, they, you know, the advancement of black people is emphasizing that they can't do it without our permission and our help. Yeah, and that's it's what disturbing. I got out of the movie. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things I got out of the movie. Uh, I think. I think, so I I was trying to look at this from very different angles because I knew you didn't like it going in, and I'm I'm someone who if someone I respect and someone who's my friend says they like or dislike something, I will go into a movie like not intentionally with that mentality. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if someone tells me movie's awesome, I'll go in like, oh man, this movie's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. And then if someone tells me it's terrible, I'm gonna go in and immediately start judging it based on like anything it does wrong. Yeah, and um, like. I don't know. I I was trying to think about it multiple different ways, and I think if you look at it as if you remove, not remove, but if you sort of uh, bring the racial aspect down Mm -hmm. and think of it as there is a man who is alone in the world in every way with Mm -hmm. race, sexuality, and family, Mm -hmm. and he finds someone that finally just sees him as a person, treats mm. him the exact yeah. same. I think it works very well in that yeah. sense. Um I if 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 I didn't if it didn't push race so heavily, yeah. I think it would have been a much better sort of message and story. Mm-hmm. And I could have gotten more out of it. The problem is they were I don't know what this is another thing that could be taken out of context because I just want to claim they were Oscar baiting with using racism as Oscar bait. I mean, that and that is, you're not the first person to make that complaint of this I, and other I films. might be totally wrong in saying that and if I am and if I'm saying something unintentionally offensive, I'm extremely sorry. But I think they were elevating that idea in the movie to basically play it up to be more appealing to the Academy. Mm-hmm. As I said, if you look at it as a movie about just a guy that's helping out another guy who mm-hmm. felt alone and just treated him the same and then welcomed him into his family at yeah. the end, like, do you agree that could be like a that, more um, yeah? Um, imagine if you had that and the racial element was not there. This was I'm not un- saying if it wasn't there. I'm saying just if it was if the racial like, element was presented in a different way, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could I could see. Oh yeah, this this thing is that that's the to me a disappointing factor is that this real story has obviously so much potential to be a really excellent way to encapsulate race relations in the middle twentieth century, right? Like this is such a weird journey, and it, and you're right, it's two very peculiar people, one of whom is very isolated. Yeah, it could tell a really excellent human story. I I, it's the way that they deal. To me, that's the thing is what the movie. You know, I think people excuse this because it's about something so heroic. I'm like, what the movie about is fine, but it's how they tell the story is they the way they bring race into the story. I think is um, 
and I say this from a place of someone who's always trying to undo his own ignorance, it, it, it to me spoke of it is coming from a place of ignorance about race relations in the United States. And of course, as you just mentioned, I, I obviously don't want to offend anybody with what I'm saying. Um, and I'm totally, I wish I could talk to somebody who has a really complex argument for why this is a good movie because I, I'm totally willing to listen. But at the same time, I, I like... W- when I have a really guttural reaction to something and I think about it deeply, I've been reading so many articles on this film, good and bad. And every good one already, like I, I, I just didn't think it was a logical argument. But at the same time, one thing that's interesting, some people I really respect in the movie industry, Morgan Freeman, um, maybe not his personal life, but his, his work, I respect a lot. Um, he loved the film. You know, like if I knew Morgan Freeman, which I will never, no Morgan Freeman. I would literally be calling up saying, "Please explain to me why you like this because I am wrong about a lot of things with race." You know, all, all we can do right now is go off of what knowledge do I have? What how can I lay aside some prejudices and look at this the best way? And I walked away from this. Um, let's get into the nitty gritty because there's there's some details. You just saw it for the first time today, right? Yeah, that's right. What did what any parts of it that did they stand out to you that were? You talk about how they dealt with race. What give me some examples of ways you think that that was done poorly. Um well, I don't want to I don't want to sit here and say that it was done poorly. I just say they really honed in on that aspect of this guy's life as yeah. opposed cuz there was there were all these scenes that you saw how this guy was that you just never got mentioned again. Yeah. Um because there was like the scene where he got caught in the shower with the other guy. Mhm. That his sexuality was never mentioned again. I know, very almost um, dismissive of that and whole portion. He, th- what was the other part? Um, his he kept talking about his brother that yeah. he didn't know that he didn't keep in contact with. Nothing ever happened with that. Yeah, I know. And that's what I was leading. That's what I was trying to talk about before. Is in the '60s, if you were a man over twenty-five, mm-hmm. maybe like thirty, you were white, you were straight, you had a wife and two kids, mm-hmm. and. I really liked that part of the movie. I think that part was good. The scene where he's outside in the rain and he says, if I'm not black enough, if I'm not white enough, if I'm not man enough, then what am I? Yeah. I thought that scene was awesome. Yeah. I really liked that scene. Yeah. Um, because, as I was saying, it's just a guy who feels like he doesn't, isn't welcome anywhere and there's just another guy who just treats him like another guy. You know what I mean? Um, I think they just really went with the whole... I mean... I don't know, man. It could be like an allegory for how racism is, like mm-hmm. like how black people just aren't really accepted by a lot of people outside of their community. And which is, I I I don't want to assume negative things of the writers. I think that's what they were trying to do. I just think, you know, to me, the thing that makes me like when I look at each individual scene, that's one scene that really does work when he like really proclaims his frustration about his un- identity. The thing that I, if I could like boil down, if you think about like two characters and why their relationship is funny, like Dumb and Dumber, why is it funny? Because both of them are dumb, right? Um, name two other characters in a film or something, and the, why they're really like, something about their relationship makes it funny, like um, Step Brothers. They're both dumb. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Uh, who was see so yeah, Dean Martin and who is his little sidekick? I cannot answer this question. Son of a. Man, um, I'm trying to, trying to think of just name any comedy right now. Any comedy at all? Name a comedy, yeah. Oh, uh, what men you want? 
what men want, right? So like the the joke there is is that like it's getting the best of uh oh what men want. Yeah, okay, the new one. Never mind. What men want. It's getting this lady gets the best of all the guys cuz she can read their minds. It's almost like she is silly, but she, in the end of all those sequences from just by looking at the tr- at the trailer, I can tell she's getting the best of all the men in all those situations and they're the punchline even though occasionally she's a little bit awkward, right? I would say like in Anchorman for instance, even though Ron Burgundy is like getting a lot of punchlines in, the end of the scene usually makes him look childish and silly and makes Veronica look like in control and powerful. So even though they're making some sexist jokes, the way the scene rolls out is that you have the more logical person you want to represent as the good guy, in quotations, winning, and you have someone like Ron Burgundy learning something at the end, right? If I had to say in Green Book, the thing, I, I, I thought this aloud while I was watching it two weeks ago, is the thing that made me mad about it is I, re- I think so many of the scenes, the humor, what was being poked fun at was black excellence. It was that this guy, educated, amazingly talented human being, Dr. Shirley, his excellence and his like peculiarity as a black person, like a black person who is excellent at something, was the point of the joke, you know? He's so stuffy, he doesn't know anything about fried chicken. He's never even heard of little, he's never even heard a song by Little Richard. Things that don't even make sense, that the joke, I feel like the end of the scene usually had Dr. Shirley had to kind of be humble himself to come to lips, Tony's point of view. Very rarely, if ever, did Tony, it did the joke and how, because honestly, Tony also, you have the idea of like the funny guy and the straight man. No joke about orientation there, because the straight man was Dr. Shirley in this. Mm. But like the idea of like the straight man, the comedy is the one who's kind of like getting laughed at, and or like the one this funny guy's kind of making a joke at his expense. Dr. Shirley was not just always the joke was at his expense, but usually the subject they're joking about has to do with his race and the fact that he is an excellent black man at something. So you know what I think one thing that makes me mad about that is their little arguments, what it is, it's like a spat between two people that get overlooked in our country, working class white people and black people. And to me, I honestly kind of, the, the, that being posed against each other, again, I was just like, why? Like, I, I, like I, I, their discussions, I, I hate that, it, what, how did it end up? Usually Dr. Shirley's the one in the rain professing his vulnerability and Lip is never really in that uncomfortable position. Yeah, no, that's, that's my main problem with the movie is that you never see Tony Lip really understand the plight yes. of this guy. Not at all. It's just he happens to fix everything for him. Which is funny. You think about, like, if he's, he's the, since he's the main character, he never really goes through a deep conflict, does he? He's really no. chill the whole movie. He does not. He's never actually pressured to change or examine himself, which is also just bad storytelling, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, I, I just, and on top of the fact, there are two things that Tony does in the start of the movie that are blatantly, actively racist, that are never addressed, he never apologizes for, he just starts acting sort of nicer. He does that thing with the two um, men who are working in his house on maybe, a, I think, bringing in an appliance or something, and they're black. His wife serves them lemonade, and he takes their glasses, and he throws them away, even though they're not meant to. Oh, oh okay. That's why that happened. So I was really confused at that scene yeah. because there was two... I'm trying not to swear. I'm trying not to swear. There was two ladies next to me mm-hmm. who had their phones on full brightness. Oh my gosh. So I had to get up and move to a different row. <laughs> and when I sat down, 
he was throwing the glasses away, and I okay. totally missed why that happened. Yeah, he, so, he didn't want to have to drink after black men. So thank you for bringing that up, because I was really confused why so, he threw the glasses so away. So he does that at the beginning, and also he uses a racial slur to refer to one of... Um, in, uh, I, it looks like a man of Central Asian or Indian descent who works for Dr. Shirley. He uses a racial slur for an Asian person. So he, in oh the, yeah, he does. In the beginning of the movie, he's openly doing racist things, and with zero confession, zero apology, zero conflict to change. He doesn't. He, he never has a moment where he has to choose between his comfort and supporting a person of color. He just somehow magically easily transformed into a nicer guy. Well, I would argue the the scene that where uh, the the other Italian guys offer him the job with higher pay. Yeah, I would say that scene exemplifies that a little bit yeah uh, that, and, he, and he turns it down that yeah you know that's a good point i think there's moments like that that just were not strong enough you know an- another moment that i realized they were trying to round things out but they just didn't really is like i m- mentioned before that tony is teaching dr shirley so many important things you know i'll teach you how to be black from the white guy there is the scenes when dr shirley then teaches him how to write a love letter but all the things of Dr. Shirley being in control, to me, all of those scenes, or Dr. Shirley being treated well, were much more shallow than the depths of what Dr. Shirley goes through and in those moments. It's a, to me, it's it's like, like I said, I think to you before, that to me, it's a movie about race relations just from the white experience. Not really. Yeah. I don't think it's a well-rounded film of sort both. Sort of similar to this conversation. Yeah. I'm excited. Can't stop talking. Um. I don't know. I just it, the reason it frustrates me is because I can see so many times where this movie could have been really great. Yeah, and it just never really gets there. Mm-hmm. And they, from what I understand, just sort of use this premise of uh, racism is bad. Yeah, there's this thing that's bad. Do you know it's bad? Oh, everyone already knows it's bad. Well, let me make a movie about it. Yeah, they use this thing in order to basically just win awards, um, which. I think is like if you're doing something like it's it's the reason why another thing that can be taken out of context context and um this might actually offend people but it's what I truly believe um the influx of gay characters in TV shows is because people want more people to watch their shows and they don't give a shit about actually having a gay character in their show they want hmm. people that identify with that to like their show that's what I truly believe is happening yeah. with a lot of things. Pandering. In, and if you don't have a character that is in the story because that's like who his character is and you just throw him in there because, oh, people will go see it now. Yeah. That's more offensive to me than, you know, not having them in. It's not more offensive. It's just as offensive as saying, like, I'm never going to put a gay character in my movie because I don't like gay people. Yeah. Like, some people might disagree with me on that. I maybe some people even get mad at me for saying that, but that's what I believe. And um, use same thing with uh, Green Book is mm. if you're just going to use that as a way to win awards, yeah, for your movie. I think that's just as cruel as you know not hiring someone I, of a color. I, I I totally agree with you on that point, but yeah, you know, pe- I know people do disagree with how to correct these measures and some people think no I'm, and i'm and i yeah. know that there's tons of there's a very large amount of people that are doing that because yeah. they want to tell those stories mm-hmm. oh not, yeah you're I'm right not, you're right 
I am not speaking against that at all. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'm speaking against is using those characters and using those um, communities mm-hmm. as a way to get more attention for your work. Yeah. I think that's terrible. Yeah. And, you know, e- even if... I mean, that's honestly what I suspect about the filmmakers of Green Book. That's that's how it all felt to me. It felt like pandering. It did not feel sincere. Even if I just decide I'm only I'm ne- I'm going to assume the very very best of these filmmakers, I'm also then doubly disappointed by the response from the Academy that there's been so much discussion about this movie and so many people were willing to vote for it, even when there was an open discussion about how it was a problematic film and how is it poison? Is it going to kill black people? No, but should we be doing better than that these days? Absolutely, yes. So kind of, I was almost more disappointed by the response that it was going to be named best film of the year than I was in the film itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I get that. I mean, it's just such a mixed bag because I don't think the film was bad, and I do think that when it did, uh, it's a very surface level like this is bad, a uh, very surface level approach to the problem that we have dealing with racism in this yes. country. And I think it does that on a pretty good level, but I mean, if you're not going to delve into the actual issues and sort of like be a commentary on, yeah, because like if this movie would have come out in the nineties, it would have been revolutionary. Yeah. But if, but everyone knows this is an issue now, you don't have to tell us that this is an issue. (laughs) Yeah. Which is what I think Green Book did. And whether or not something like that is needed in today's culture, which it definitely is, yeah, um, we definitely need those commentaries to get people thinking and to get people knowing about this problem that we have. Yeah, you can't just. It felt pretty dated. Yeah, you can't just like say this is bad. Yeah, <laughs> you have to like show us like this is how this is an approach to fixing it. Which, yeah, um, as I was saying earlier, you just watch Tony Lip not have any consequence at all mm-hmm. to his actions throughout the the white guy. And it, whereas and it's hard to watch that and it not be examined by the filmmaker right next to a black man do nothing wrong again and again and again and do nothing illegal again and again and again and get so many negative consequences. Which some people might argue that's the point. I, I yeah, but I, I would say if that was the point, I'm I would I would just argue from the mechanics of the story was told, they didn't drive that point that point home enough. And if they were trying to do that, I could assume the best of them. It just was not the best film of the year. And I don't think it... I mean, we're talking about movies like Moonlight and um, Into the Spider-Verse that like take these moments of human experiences and just make them so deeply felt by many people. Yeah, this, this film didn't quite get there. And you know, if they wanted to make just an entertaining film, make another Dumb and Dumber like make make another movie that is fun and goofy and doesn't have much at stake. This movie had a lot at stake. And it's just it's a disappointing thing to see be lifted up when a movie like If Beale Street Could Talk came out in the same year and excellent films were around it and then like to be honest when there it's only there was a movie about indigenous people and race relations and class and f- gender. Oh wait, yes there was. It's called Roma. And not only was it about a lot of important things, but it dealt with them with in a respectful way. So it just is the end of the world. Is this another tra- tragedy like finding out that Harvey Weinstein really is the terrible man we thought he was? No, this is not a huge big deal, right? But um, I just think it could have been done better. Absolutely could have. And uh, I don't think it's a horrible movie. I'd give it a 5 out of 10. 
I don't yeah. think it should have won Best Picture. No, definitely not. Um, I do think either Mahershala Ali or Viggo Mortensen should have won Best Actor. Yeah, Mahershala um, being supporting actor didn't make any sense to me. Um, I uh, I don't know. I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody, so I can't yeah. comment on Rami Malek's performance. I've heard it's great, but... Yeah, let me say that. Both the Annie and actors in this film were really honestly amazing to watch. They're great. That's the hard thing. Is yeah, like, like I always notice when like either people drop their accents or uh, break character. Yeah. They didn't break it a single time. These are two of the best actors in, in the A-list of Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, so it was almost fun. It's funny, as I'm frustrated with the story, there are moments when Tony Lip, I'm like, this, that's really Viggo Mortensen. He, he yeah. was lost in the character so beautifully. That's why I'm, I'm maybe more frustrated because like two actors I like a lot. In this. And it, I, I I think it was really well edited and directed. Like it was really, obviously a guy who knows how to make a comedy made this movie. He made a really tight comedy. But, um, you know, um, the uh, Alvin the Chipmunks 4 next year will come out and win Best Picture. And God, so we're just going downhill from here. We'll be, we'll look back at Green Book fondly probably as the Academy gets more and more frustrating every single year. But yep. I don't know why I keep watching it. Uh, do you uh, have anything else you want to say about Green Book at all? You had like a whole sheet of notes. You didn't even look at them. Do you memorize That's them? That's because my computer died. But oh. I, I, th- <laughs> I think I hit up just about everything. Um, yeah, I, I just, uh, I am... I, to me, like I, I think having these discussions and why I said, "Hey, we should do a, we should do an episode on Green Book," is because I hope that even when a movie like this is so disappointing, it can be a moment, a teachable moment, right? Like, if I, I would love to talk to any of my friends of color about this movie. And yeah, that's it, another thing know, too. Is like, if anyone disagrees about what we're saying, please just contact us and just talk I, to us. Because these moments, even and that's the great thing is. This is movie, like I said, this movie isn't a tragedy. So even though it's poorly made, I want to have this discussion because you know a successful film would be a great moment to talk about race relations and learn. I think a movie that I think is not very successful like this in telling a good story also could be a really awesome opportunity. So to me, I I do there is a certain enjoyment I have about ripping a movie apart I hated. I don't really I'm not really going for that right now. I, I I'm trying. I I think I I just learned so much through cinema about the way other people see the world. And that's why I keep obsessively re- reading reviews of this movie, trying to understand other people's perspectives. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I kind of hope that there's like a silver lining to these bad moments. It makes people rethink how we tell stories and make sure that we're really letting other people's voices be heard. So Totally agree. So from that means I will uh, never see a film again and this is my last time ever talking with you about movies. So it's been nice, Oliver. Oh, thanks, man. It was... Great for you uh, coming on the show again. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. I'm this uh man, dude. We gotta go for six more minutes. We gotta hit two hours. Okay, for six more minutes. Um, uh, just anything how, oh, about movies. Just bring it up. Anything it. about movies. Just say it. Anything about movies or anything um, at all. Just start talking. Uh, I. Um. Love how unintentionally funny A Star Is Born was again. And did again. you see it? Yeah, I did. Um, like, My mom. So funny story about that. Uh, before you go into your anecdote, um, my mom saw that movie, uh-huh. and I thought she would love it. She loves stuff like that, mm-hmm. like very straightforward. She loves music. 
she comes home. She went with my dad. <laughs> she comes home with, uh, that night. And I was like, oh, mom, how's the movie? She doesn't say it's bad. She doesn't say she liked it. That was the worst movie I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> I'm like, and I asked her, like, my mom is someone who's very just like, um, she's very emotionally opinionated. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why was it bad? She just goes, it just was. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel anger. It was, it was so hard because I really wanted to like that movie so bad. Um, the you mo- know it's the fourth remake of that movie? Yeah, I know. Fourth. There was a, I realized at the end of it, there's a really interesting point where um, Sam, what's his name? Sam Elliott's character, he says to Lady Gaga's character that, yeah, I mean, they see something beautiful in you. Because, you know, music, it's just 12 notes again and again. But you, what you do is special with those notes. I almost felt like the end of the movie is trying to make an analogy of, yeah, this is a remake, but it's about doing something special with the same material. And I was like, okay, that's actually brilliant. That's in the script. I just wish you had done something more special with the material. I will yeah. say, though, you know the one thing that surprised me? I've never been a big fan of Bradley Cooper. If I had to pick who was the best performance that I saw last year, Bradley Cooper in that movie, it, of all the wildness of that film, he plays a guy with alcoholism and a, a star and a man child. He plays such an interesting, sad, complex human being. Th- that was one of the, the things I walked away from that I was secretly hoping he would somehow pull an upset and win Best Actor. I rarely care that much about one person winning over another when it comes to acting. I, I was surprised. I'm like, I can't believe I'm rooting for Brad. I've never been a Bradley Cooper fan. He was great in that movie. Um, I was also happy. I, I cannot stop thinking about Olivia Coleman um, in The Favorite when she, my favorite moment in that freaking movie, and I keep doing this to my brother who's my roommate, I keep getting in his face and saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Because then the, she does that to a guard and the guard's not supposed to look at her because she's the queen. And then he looks at her and she screams, how dare you? As soon as he looks at her, how insane she was in that movie. I love, I saw it in a theater and I was the only person who Dude. chuckled. I was the only person who kept laughing and everyone, I felt bad. It was such a dark film. I seriously had to like cover my mouth during the <laughs> scene where she's eating the cake then throws up in the bucket oh and then God. continues eating the cake. I, I was laughing so hard that I had to like <laughs> when she says that one bit about like oh no it's fine we can spend the money we've won the war and Rachel Vice is like uh, uh, but we have to go to war again and she goes oh I did not know that <laughs> she's just the, 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 that's one thing that is or the part where she's walking down the hallway and hears the music outside and just goes yeah, <laughs> she just flips out for no, and it's it, it makes you feel bad because you realize she's such a tragic character. She's had seventeen miscarriages and lost babies. She's abu- abused and abused her entire life. No, dude, they just became rabbits. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. But um, yeah, I that was maybe the most fun I've had in a movie in the last year. The favorite was so creepy to me, and the pa- I love. Like I kind of I love uh, horror films that make me laugh a little bit. That's why I loved Krampus a few years ago. Like movies that are like trying, like showing you something dark, but it makes me laugh. That's my sense of humor. Um, so, yeah, there's some some awesome movies out there, and um, we have uh, we have um, Blue Will Smith to look forward to coming up in a couple months, which oh, is going to be beautiful. Yeah. Nice. Blue Will Smith, dude. More like. Fresh blue of <laughs> Prince Aladdin. Damn it. More like P- 
poo sill. He's 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 more like Men in Blue now. He's more like a. Yeah. He he, blew, he liked Tobias Funke. He blew himself. I just blew myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a never dude. <laughs> there are literally dozens of us. That's the spin on this film. Is it's, he's actually a never nude blue Dude, man group. Speaking member. of in, going back to Infinity War, did you know there's a Tobias Funke cameo in Infinity War? What? So you know the scene where they're at the collector's room. Yeah. So when it pans out to Thanos interrogating the collector, there is a test tube vessel with Tobias Funke in it. Like a like, like a, confirmed by the Russo brothers, it's Tobias Funke. I respect them so much. I'll now. show it to you after we're done That's recording. That's beautiful. It's amazing. He is a relic of this universe. He's a terrible, wonderful creature. He's been collected by the collector. <laughs> that is so fantastic. I hope they know uh, David Cross. Do they? I wonder if they know him personally. That's how they got that in there. I don't know, man. Maybe. That's pretty great. But, um, yeah, I, was, I found that and I was like, I don't even, I've seen maybe a handful of episodes of Jurassic <laughs> Development. But uh, knowing that, just it was it was an awesome thing to find out because it's like confirmed like they said yep that's Tobias <laughs> <laughs> that's right if you're gonna have a crazy hard job like that you got to put something in there that you can get to reveal it in your press circuit interviews like yeah Dr. Funky he is he is in the test tube that that's that's a, a glorious thing yeah man uh we made it is we it two it, hours we made it two hours we've been talking for two hours two hours how man. about that Half of it was Dragon Ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, look who's talking. Me and you. So that's probably going to happen. Thanks for having me back. Dude, thanks for being on the show, dude. Like, you know how to talk, man. Like, I'm not saying that, like, as, like, you're <laughs> annoying or something. I'm saying, like, you know how to, you know how to put things understandably. Thank you. You know, honestly, like when I want to understand something, I've just I, if if you're not willing to try to talk about it, you won't fully understand it. So I love getting the opportunity to talk with someone who has a great brain like yours. And uh, yeah, this show is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, man. Thank you again for being on the show. Uh, it's 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 fun to do. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm hoping that um, I'll be posting it online. So make sure you share that shit because trying to get it out there yes oh definitely i've been doing this i almost said full time i've been doing it for 40 hours a week no i've been been putting a lot of work in so oh it uh, shows already so hopefully it's interesting to people i think this episode again for the third time thank you for being on uh this is no degree podcast sts this will be on youtube by the way Oh, you guys. Oh, my God. Chris Hansen, what are you doing here? Hey. Why? I didn't do it. This is me. Why? <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, this is Notary Podcast SDS, episode two. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Rex Trogdon and Olive Mulligan, and we will be signing off. Thank you for listening.